0: Started?
1: this is justin chris and harlan from the invictus streaming yeah, and michael and you're listening to seven land hand
0: it's seven land hand Woo-hoo! brought Woo-hoo! to you australia wide by good games are you a cornflake girl or a weak mix kid tell us later this episode won't be a serial offense but we will need blood bowl team manager huh. Blood Bowl reminds me of a time I got a haircut from a blind barber. But get ready for a treat, take a seat, cheat in your cleats and avoid defeat. It's seventh down, and this is Seven Land Hand. Blood Bowl, Team Manager, is a fantasy flight game first published in 2011. It was designed by mathematical madman Jay Little. Blood Bowl, Team Manager, is the reimagining of Blood Bowl the classic Games Workshop parody of American football. <laughs> Reimagining. That's like when I think back to the high school ball and remember being announced bell and bow of the night with Kelly LeBrock as my girlfriend. <laughs> Good times. Uh, anyway, Team Manager is a competitive car-drafting, dice-rolling knuckle-punch for two to four players and takes about 90 minutes. Amongst a spiked pigskin of other awards and nominations, it won the 2013 Juego Del Arno Tico Game of the Year. I think we all know how hard those guys like to party. Their game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Blood Bowl, Team Manager, is a bone-breaking, breathtaking, standalone card game of violence and outright cheating for two to four players. Chaos, Dwarf, Wood Elf, Human, Orc and Skaven teams compete against each other over the course of a brutal season. Customise your team by drafting star players, hiring staff, upgrading facilities and cheating like mad. Lead your gang of misfits and miscreants to glory over your rivals, all to become Spike Magazine's Manager of the Year. One disclaimer before we proceed. Jay Little is not a madman. However, he is related to the Peruvian guitarist, Juego Delano Tico. (laughs) And we all know how hard that guy likes to party. Jay is joining us later in the episode, so stay tuned to find out more about the journey behind Blood Bowl Team Manager, Star Wars X-Wing, board game design, and we might even ask him how he stacks his games. Classic Seven Land Hand question. Ding! what does it all mean to gamers? Not fit to tie boot bootlaces, we have halftime entertainment chorus girl, Matt McHale. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. (claps) Hey, Mickey. Even better than in rehearsals. Yeah. And team apothecary, Jamie Lawrence.
2: He's dead, Jim.
0: (laughs) It's it's life at the other end of the Skype (laughs) channel, but not as we know it. Welcome, sports people. What's the word on nerd from your respective corners of the geekverse, boys? Well, what have we got? Couple of things.
3: Been very busy. I, I, I think I said I had three things on my list. I could probably add a heap more, but you know, we'll go for three. We three don't have a list, Matt.
0: We're just flying off the seat of <laughs> our uh, imaginations
3: and minds. Speaking of imagination, I've been delving into mine, and I've started creating my first scenario for time stories. Oh, for, right, yeah! For, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> You've been tweeting about this. Yeah, yeah, I have. So yeah. I love the game. And you know, Space Cowboys have given you the opportunity to uh, essentially write your own scenarios and then submit it to them okay. for um,
0: what consideration are they doing that, like, publication. Like on electronic publication? Yeah, yeah. The catch
3: is you have to pretty much submit to them a fully uh, completed game, minus the artwork. But, uh, yeah, all the mechanics in place. It's got to be... I think there's some parameters. It's got to be... S- at least 60-odd cards um, be sent to them. A physical copy needs to be sent to them. And uh, they should be able to play it straight out of the box. They're, they're the only stipulations. But, uh, yeah, so I decided to give it a go. And I've, I've hit on a theme which I think is interesting. And I won't say too much because, uh, you know. Yeah,
0: it's all about a one-play event, yeah, isn't it? that's it. So I, w- I wouldn't want to spoil it for everyone. <laughs> so there should be a stream of expansions for that game coming out, right? There and are. That's what they're trying to yeah. pl- pump up.
3: Yeah, uh, Prophecy of the Dragons has just pretty much just been released. Yeah. And then the uh, the fourth one, or the third release, uh, uh, the Mask of Somewhere Egyptian. Tutankhamun. Jamie, you help
2: me out? you know it? Masks of... Not off the top of my head, but yeah. I'm very excited about an Egyptian-themed
3: one. Yeah, that well, that one's due to come out. Uh, I think, again, it's another... Historical based ones, I think I'm not can't quite remember, but that's due out in the first half of the year. Yeah, and then what I love that,
2: about time stories, what I love about it is that it feels like I'm playing an episode of Doctor Who.
3: Yeah, for sure,
2: it's yeah. just beautiful.
3: Yeah, they've also alluded to the next uh, whatever's coming up next. Uh, I think they've left it as a big question mark at the moment, but uh, I think not too long. As soon as they start announcing the release of the the Egyptian one, uh, then they start talking about the next one that's coming out. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to creating my own. But apart from that, I've also been giving Mantic Games The Walking Dead a bit of a playthrough. They uh, put their rules up on their Kickstarter, and so I dived into my Zombicide minis and uh, cut out some tokens and things like that. And so I've been giving their skirmish game
0: a bit of a putting it through its paces yeah and how does it play is it does it add something else because we've discussed this before that we're we're thick with zombie <laughs> games aren't we we're we you know we're, we're fence deep in zombies does it add anything uh, i don't really think it adds
3: anything uh the miniatures apparently going to be very nice and if you're if you're into that ip then you know it's a, it's it's basically all your dreams come true because you can you can then create your own stories with your favorite Walking Dead characters. Are the minis, I remember it's from the comic. Yeah, I was
0: going to say the minis the, are based on the comic book characters, not the TV characters. So when you see the Kickstarter, you go, "That doesn't look yeah. like that guy." But yeah, book. I mean, I've had a look
3: at the miniatures, and they're a little bit larger than your twenty-eight mil. they I think they're coming in about thirty, thirty-two mil.
0: No, we've all bragged about an extra three or four <laughs> mils. So don't worry about that.
3: And they 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 have a likeness, so there's a bit of a resemblance there. But you know, they're just. Still there seems sculpts.
2: to be a slew of skirmish-level IP-licensed miniatures games happening lately. We had the Batman one came out last year, and now there's Walking Dead, there's Doctor yeah. Who coming. There's um, It's like people have suddenly discovered, hey, you can take that thing and put it in a miniatures game.
3: Well, that's it. I mean, some, this is something to talk to Jay about, especially regarding X-Wing, is that how they managed to get hold of these, Um, is it a matter of the right price, or is it a matter of somebody comes along with an idea and say, hey, I'd like to... Match your property with our uh, game mechanics, and you know, you know what happens there. I'm sure Jay might be able to enlighten Shiny us a little bit. But um, yeah, the only other thing I've been into is watching my uh, Norwegian political dramas at the moment. i uh, watching one called Anyway, J- hey, Jamie. <laughs> um, what have you been up to?
0: <laughs> Norwegian dramas? Yeah, to do a, with Norway. It's on. Uh, it's on well, Netflix. I've been I love I love Norway and we love our Norwegian friends. Hello, we love you. Uh, it's called Occupied, and it's about the uh, the global climate change.
3: <laughs> They're basically getting rid of fossil f- use of fossil fuels. They're not t- extracting oil out of their rigs anymore. They're uh, turning to thorium, and the, uh, <laughs> right. the Russians and the rest of the EU come in and invade Norway, occupy
0: Norway. To uh, pressure them into producing fossil fuels again. Well, Scandinavians have been turning to Thor for years, so <laughs> this seems like the only thing Badoo to do. Boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, speaking of Netflix, though, I followed up on one of your tips, Jamie. Luther, it's good, isn't it? Have you you've seen all of them now? Luther? It's so good. It's so good, right? And uh, there was just, I think Netflix has got the first three seasons, and then FoxTEL have just done the first two of season four, and. Um, my only question to you I'm not good at remembering the character's names but so I wrote this down. It's Alice. You know Alice? I know Alice. What's the deal with her mouth? That's not right. <laughs> I mean, that top lip... It's
2: just a bit too wide, isn't it?
0: And that top lip is just doing its own thing. It's like she's... That that actress or actor has arrived to perform the part of Alice and her top lip has has arrived to perform another separate role that nobody's entirely convinced about. (laughs) What's going on there? It's just so distracting. I wonder if she's
2: related to Mark Hamill. We always used to joke that his hair was a separate character in Star Wars.
0: yeah. (laughs) It could be. Maybe we could get her lip and Mark Hamill's hair just to combine and to create, you know, a, 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 a super acting force of the, something new. They'll Probably come up with their own sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't it's not funny though. It's well, while we're talking about.
2: What we're talking about crime shows. Yeah. I've just finished watching the first season of Fargo. Oh and, yeah. Um, wow! Did they just nail the the whole Cohen brothers idea? It's great. The isn't whole it? series was. What happened? quirky, strange people involved in awful things with each other. It was great.
0: What happened to that? Is it... Because we watched that and then I've just totally forgotten about it and we loved every minute of it. And I can't remember, There remember... Who was There's in that?
2: Season. Well, there is a second season, but um, the first one had uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Martin yes. Freeman.
0: That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My- in Sherlock. Yeah.
2: And... Uh, yeah the, the two of them were just played off each other so beautifully. what a great pair of actors
0: and when did the last when did the second season come out i 'm wondering if i 've seen it now
2: i think it 's only just come out in the states so um, i don 't think we 've got it yet
0: all right i 'm getting my pen <laughs> I, yeah. I love that
3: movie and i don 't know if watching a, if watching a series would um cut it for me because it I, I really was a big it fan of the movie
0: it would because you're watching lost you're an idiot and you're still watching lost <laughs> yeah. fargo immediately way better yeah, Matt,
2: i was skeptical at first i was really skeptical at first actually about the idea of fargo as a tv show yeah. but they have just perfectly translated the feeling of that sh- of that movie into yeah. a tv show
0: it is magnificent wood chipper it? and all well, the witcher didn't oh, make yeah, an appearance, absolutely. but it's it's, it's all... very
2: visceral in places. Yeah, yeah, and it's usually unexpected places.
0: Yeah, and, and Martin Freeman is just—I mean, I, I've watched him since he was in the office, you know, and, uh, it, and he's just—he's an, just the perfect guy, unsuspecting guy who you just become so—that guy's a, a bad guy, you know. It's it's, it's brilliant.
2: But what I love is that even when they're bad guys, you still kind of hope that things work out okay for them in the end. Which is the perfect still got that attachment to
0: them. Yeah, which is a perfect bad guy scenario, isn't it? Because you you think like if there's there's a, there's a certain standpoint in which evil doesn't exist, but because pe- people are always acting on some morals or a, dis- or a or a perspective where they believe that they're doing the right thing. So if you can tune into a, a little bit of a character's. You know uh, motivation as to why they're doing it, then they can become a little bit sympathetic, even if they're doing the worst, terrible things. You know, does that mean it's turning him sort of into an underdog, if you like? So you, you know, you're not, you're rooting for them. Like, in, I uh, subconsciously, but you're not
2: necessarily. I, can't I, I think to be... I
0: think we I think we all want Mark. Uh, I think we all want Martin Freeman to get caught, if, if I remember correctly. I don't know. There's don't definitely
2: know. moments where you do because he does something really awful and. Um... And gets away with it for most of, the, most of the time that he's there, yeah. And then the, on the other side, you've got Billy Bob Thornton, who's, you know, like, he's a hitman and does awful, awful things to people, but you really kind of like him. He's a nice guy.
0: <laughs> and he also, I think, it, uh, I'm, I'm so operating on a, on a thin slice of memory here, but he doesn't he also stand up for some of the, you know, those little things in the world that we see and the, when people are slightly annoying, you're just like, I'd love to say this to them. And I think That's Billy Bob's right. character just tells him straight up. You know, he just comes because he's got nothing to fear. He's just this diabolical killer guy. And is that does that reprise yeah, the Peter?
3: He's the alpha wolf. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Does that reprise Peter Stormare's character?
3: The um, you know the uh, they get the, the murderer. I don't think movie? it follows. It doesn't follow on
0: from oh, anything, uh, any plot points in the movie. I don't think, unless it's uh, very Easter egg based. It's, oh, I'll have it, to does, check it It out. does its own thing.
3: I'll add it to my list, my uh, growing, growing list. But, of course,
0: you know, in between Seasons of Lost, i check everything else out. Speaking of, speaking of follow-ons, there's uh, hot off the press. Our friend Jamie Lawrence here stumbled across a plucky young author called Frank Herbert. Um, <laughs> there's a, a rendition of June come out uh, with gummy bears. This was an
3: iron. <laughs> I ion- couldn't
2: help myself. I saw that today on Facebook and I just had to post it. That's an eye Something- got giant gummy snake worms and little gummy teddy bears and just reshot parts of Dune with with gummy.
3: Yeah, so look after that.
2: It's unbelievable.
3: That's already a delicious movie.
2: Oh man, I love (laughs) Dune. There's a... It just had its 50th anniversary this year too. Um, Yeah, that's right. But there's a folio edition of it, like a really ridiculously expensive hardback slipcase, beautiful version with lush art that I'm desperate to get my hands on, but it's like three or four hundred dollars us and mm. i'm just sort of it's a book do i really want to do that
3: <laughs> <laughs> have you played the
0: board game version of it
2: i certainly have it's a classic yeah yeah, hey,
0: ben, yeah. have any of you guys been following the news of firewatch has anyone heard about this that's uh computer yeah. game. yeah that's it's really interesting thing it's a pl- again a plucky young uh computer game uh, by Campo Santo, and it's made a bit of news uh, recently because of um, some, somebody uh, played the game, and I, I like the, the... There's a bit of a dilemma in it. The, the game costs $18, or I think that 20, that's 18 US, right? And the the makers of the game are quite open that it takes about two to three hours to play, and then you're done, right? And there was this guy that uh, tweeted out there saying, look, I've played this game, I enjoyed it a lot... Um, and it, but it was only two or three hours and I felt like there could have been more and because uh, he got it through Steam, I think Steam have a refund if you don't like it policy or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, so he was just thinking of going, I might just refund it, right? But it brings, into this, it brings out this question of uh, how much, if you're paying, so let's say it's 20 bucks, how much entertainment do you need for that $20? Because a, a movie ticket, how long do you get for yeah. that? This is interactive entertainment. And he's got two to three hours out of it, and he's enjoyed it. I mean, there's a, if, if you want to look it up, just look up Firewatch. Great response from Campo Santo, and uh, and you'll get this lovely email that she wrote, that one of the designers wrote back about you know what they did or the hard work they put into it, and this is the they just wanted to have a quality, concise. Boom! Here it is. Yeah. I haven't played. it. I meant to play it before tonight's podcast because I was really interested in in the to and fro, but. It it sort of raises the question: How much value do we need for our entertainment buck?
3: I, I've I have heard that it's quite a uh, quite a quality game, but if you look at it, how much you're paying for it, and then if it gives you two to three hours worth of entertainment, um, I don't know. In a computer game, I, I really don't know if that cuts it because usually, if you've got the 30, ba- 30 day money back yeah. guarantee, that which I think is something that they have. Um, What's to stop you from playing the game, finishing it two to three hours and then getting your money back because you go, oh, well, it wasn't
0: long enough or, but you've completed the game. I, I don't know if you could There's do some that, developers but... there and programmers that have worked hard on this, making a quality two to three hour game. You just shafted them. Like you've, you've paid them and then you've gone, you know what? Now nah, I'm having my money back. Right. <laughs> and they've, they've done a good thing there. Yeah.
3: No. Uh, look, Time Stories could fall into this category as well because it's, uh, it's module-based, it's one-shot play. I mean, you're done with it in about five hours, which if you look at the lifetime of a game, you'll play more than five hours' worth of risk in your life or you'll play more than five hours of pandemic easily in your yeah. life. So you know, if you talk about value for money, the, the value of a game like Time Stories, yeah, perhaps it's not there. Perhaps it's very overpriced for what it is. But it's, but it's the storytelling it, it's the game itself, it's the, the narrative, the all the elements that come together to to give you a good time and I'm saying, well, Firewatch sounds from what I've heard is one of those things that gives you that good time, yes, in a short amount of t- a short yeah, period, but uh, you still get that la- la- same level of enjoyment, I think unless you're really That's cynical. exactly right
2: to me it's about the quality of the experience as long as you're Really enjoying yourself, you know. You're not going to go out and say, "Oh, this was terrible." I want my money back. If you go to the movies and see something
0: that yeah. wasn't
2: terrible, you know,
0: that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there's there's, there's movies, uh, you know, out there that we could probably all think think of. And you'd think to have that in my life, to have seen that movie, to have that experience. If if it was a hundred dollars, I'd be quite happy because I've seen it over and over. And I love that movie, and I just l- love being part of that world. And there's other movies <laughs> who wouldn't pay cents for, but you know, if we were to see them all on a theatrical release, we're all paying 20 bucks to see them. So they're, you know, if you're comparing experiences, that's, Mm. it's a inadequate measure. It it doesn't, it doesn't balance out, does it? So what does it mean? What are you saying? We're paying too much for entertainment these days? No, no, I'm I'm saying I kind of, I kind of feel for the developers of this game. I think, you know, if they've Mm. done, that's why I wanted to play the game. If they've, if they've put together something that's really good mm. and gives me two to three hours, I'm, I'm quite happy parting with $20 to have a two to three hours of great gameplay. I'm not saying that that's what this has got. Uh, it might have. I, I'd, lo- yeah. I'd love to, for listeners to get on board Facebook and let, and let us know if they've played it. Um, but it just, it just raised the, the question of, you know, does, is there, does $1 equate to a certain amount of, of uh, quality entertainment? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not so sure it always does.
2: It's an interesting idea. Yeah. On the other time scale of things. <clears throat> I've been playing a virtually endless game, um, Lego Dimensions, with my son. Oh, yeah, <laughs> We are loving the heck out of it. It is the most fun that I've had with Lego outside of building it for yeah. a very long time.
0: It's, this is a great looking format. We're already neck deep in um, the... Oh, I forget what it is now. The Disney Infinity. So I couldn't go in for the Lego. But it looks cool how you can you can change the vehicles and stuff, can't you, or whatever, by building something you can, different?
2: You can, you can have up to seven different things, um, people, vehicles. In, in the case of Scooby-Doo, you can have a giant sandwich. Oh, you,
0: Scooby-Doo.
2: You can have them all on your little base, and you actually use the base in the game sometimes to escape traps and things as well, so it's it's very interactive. But the best thing about it is that they've been the characters have been programmed so that if they're with other characters, they say different things. So, for example, I had uh, Peter Venkman from the Ghostbusters yeah. and the Doctor from Doctor Who. I had both of them on together. At one point, the Doctor turns around and goes, Who are you going to call? From the <laughs> steady uniform, I'm guessing probably a dry cleaner. <laughs> it's just, you know, like magical little touches like that. Yeah. Scooby-Doo sits there humming the Batman tune if he's, if he's with Batman. You know, like it's just <laughs> little things, but it's so clever. Yeah. And every every ip has its own little special level that you can go and explore as well and
0: yeah just and they got some good stuff
2: endless fun
0: yeah they got some good stuff as well i could sell the back to the future models and stuff like that as well isn't there they've hit that yeah that golden era of cinema when there was ghostbusters and back to the future and all that sort of stuff here i am sounding like an old guy but surely that still stands up right yeah, well, I'm definitely going to be introducing my boys to one of those, whether it be
3: Dimensions or uh, Infinity. I think I'll have to make a choice about which way to go. But
0: um, I reckon it taps in, a, taps in everything I liked. I like I like the Infinity because I've got the Hulk Buster and I've got Yoda, and the kids don't use it at all. That's in my office on my desk, and they're just there because <laughs> they look cool, right? And that's that's what I thought about the the Disney Infinity stuff is. You can get the models, and long after the game just blows and it's unplayable, the miniatures are going to be cool just to have on a shelf somewhere because they're going to be yeah. just a a cartoon character thing. but um a little bit of me misses not being able to do the Lego thing because we're just already <laughs> heavily invested in this other thing
2: yeah well look they're, they're both worthwhile having played both they're solid games, but yeah, you know, jump in yeah. honestly, don't be afraid they Disney and Lego, two of the biggest brands on earth. They're yeah, not right. going to stop making these things anytime
3: soon. No, that's for sure.
0: All right, we're just about out of time uh, for our weekend geek sort of stuff. We've got Jay Little coming up. Everybody, that's going to be super exciting. I just got to ask one thing: Has anyone seen Deadpool yet? Yes. I, ha- I haven't Sadly seen it. Such a great movie. Have oh, you seen it? I haven't seen it. Oh, don't no
3: spoilers. Uh, all right, no spoilers. Uh, we can't the, do it.
0: The shoe is on the other foot. I think I've listened to other uh, podcasts and they're saying you can't spoil it because everything in the, the vibe of it, in the adverts and stuff, is the, is the movie. It's just an awesome yeah. two hours of that. It's, it's, uh, look, it, it is, hands down, it is my favourite superhero film. Yeah. Yep. It is that good. Yep. Yep. gets get the Matt McKell tick of approval. No, it's I in my top it.
2: five for sure. It is, it is outstanding.
0: Oh, you've um, opened a tin of worms the, there, Jamie. It's top the five. The use
2: of Colossus as a straight man to Deadpool is just one of the most brilliant comic <laughs> duos I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. What's 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 the other four in your top five there? Come on, you've opened a tin of worms.
2: All right, sure. Um, the best superhero <laughs> movie ever made is X-Men 2.
0: X-Men uh, 2?
2: Followed closely by Superman 2. Oh, no. Go, yeah? No. <laughs> yeah. Um... What else would I put up there? Uh, I would probably go Thor.
0: Wow, the more um, you keep talking, the more I think Deadpool's not the movie for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Deadpool's great, and um, oh, what am I going to give that fifth spot to? This is the super controversial, and say Ang Lee's Hulk. A who's Ang Lee's Hulk? Ang Lee. One won back in two thousand and four with Eric Banner.
0: Eric Banner's Hulk. All right. Okay.
2: Was she, wasn't yeah, she great. the
0: director of the Piano? Yes, he is. Yeah,
2: he. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say,
3: she? Sounds like a girl's name. You
0: almost had some quality knowledge there, man.
2: <laughs> Ridiculously unexpected combination, but works beautifully.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting top five there. I watched Age of Ultron uh, yesterday. Yeah. And I ha- it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> it? Yeah. But like, d- it's on Netflix now. I yeah. didn't like it the first time, uh, but then the second time going, in, because I was so down on it, I enjoyed it the second time because my expectations had just been... You know, thrashed away. And and my daughter's way into the Scarlet Witch.
3: Oh who, yeah.
0: Who I think it's on the wall somewhere around <laughs> here where we're sitting here. But anyway. Looking down <laughs> on us. Alright, look, the more we talk, the longer it takes to get Jay Little get to Jay Little. So should we just uh should we just can it here and get into talk a bit of Blood Bowl talk, eh? Win Blood Bowl team manager for zero non-zip zilch effort. Simply leave a comment on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode 63 at facebook.com forward slash 7 Hand. Pause the episode now, people. That means just stop it, right? <laughs> just get over to Facebook and just do it. There's no catch. Stop confusing us. We're confused. You know, we need more. You know, It's like 3,000 people looked at the post last month and less than 20 entered. Yeah. You know, we know you like it because yeah, you're liking you, it. But... And you want free stuff. So just do it. It's, Comment. It, I don't, we don't understand you confusing us. Anyway, uh, we'll announce last, mu- uh, last month's winner later in Neats and Twos, so stay tuned if you were one of those f- um, yeah, 20-odd people that did it. Um, every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the Gamer Review. This month, it's Blood Bowl Team Manager by Jay Little. That's, it's coming up soon, oh, well, Jay a Little. A plug. For the next four weeks, and while stocks last, the quintessential quarterbacks of gaming at your good game store are giving Sevenland Hand listeners, that's you, 10% off Blood Bowl team manager. All you have to do is stride into your local good game store, smelling of deep heat and 90 minutes of grassy exertion, <laughs> and state the password, war dancer. War dancer. War dancer. For the next four weeks, war dancer.
2: War dancer.
0: That's while stocks last. Deep heat and exertion are not required. Okay, now on with the show. All right, welcome back. Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl team, Blood Bowl. team manager. It's a, it's, a, it's a new age. We're not just talking about that polystyrene pitch that I had out <laughs> or the, whatever we had, the, the, the felt bits of greenery yeah. that was uh, Blood Bowl of old.
3: You know, it's interesting. You had that, that ah, version, that which was, was one beautiful. of the original. What was that, Jamie? What was that, Jamie?
2: It was beautiful.
3: <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. The
2: old polystyrene board and the old miniatures, ready to fall apart. They're just—they're just, they're classics. It's amazing. I loved it. Yeah.
3: I had the um, one of the uh, later editions, which had the, the the fold-out board, the cardboard one, and uh, the pewter. It was the pewter miniatures? Yeah, they had. No, the they had all like the like
0: There was a whole bunch of lead yeah. miniatures that came out with the original series. That like you could go and buy them as miniatures. You know, back when you could buy singular miniatures and you could buy your star players like that. And it was, you know, like the guy yeah. with the the lawnmower thing with all the yeah, spikes hanging it Yeah, that was, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> but but um, no, we're not well, talking about The death about, roller.
3: Yeah, 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 the death roller, yeah. the dwarven death roller.
0: But that's not exactly what we're talking about today, is no, it, though? Well, we're talking
3: about the other side of the fence. We're talking about in the dugout with the. Uh, with the Alex
0: Ferguson's and Jose yeah, Mourinho's it. of the world. The
3: team owners and the.
0: Uh, well, they're up in the court box, but the, yeah. uh, the actual team managers. Who's putting together. So, what, what's the narrative and general objective of this game, Matt? Okay. So, it's all based around the world of fantasy football. Which, as you mentioned in the
3: uh, intro, is a parody of uh, of American football and pretty much any other game out there, really that involves <laughs> any other uh, game body or... combat. Oh, <laughs> body combat, tackling,
0: uh, croquet, and a ball. <laughs> croquet. <laughs> you I don't know if
3: croquet involves tackling. No, okay,
0: yeah. There's, there's no full <laughs> body contact croquet out there yet. Sorry,
3: <laughs> but the um, yeah. So the premise is rather than your, rather than stepping out on the pitch as a player, you're uh, controlling. The team from from up in the uh, corporate box calling the shots about drafting, uh, drafting people in. players, yeah, that sort of thing. So that that's a narrative. And you're you're attempting to take your team to the the Blood Bowl, which is the uh, the most prestigious tournament on it's the, the big scene. finale, isn't it? Yep. It's
0: the uh, yep on a week Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, that's it really on a week to week, you know, highlights reel basically. Mm. And, um, yeah, that, that's, the, the, that's the narrative and the objective is to become the the, uh,
0: the manager who accumulates the, the highest level, uh, highest fandom. The most fan fans. Yeah, the that's most fans. You, and that, that's the currency of the game, isn't it? Fans. Yep. That's, that's what you're trying to get. There's other different things that you can gain, but the net result is, or the net thing that gets you f- the victory is the fans and at fans. the end of the game. Yep, that's it. Jamie, what's it look like when it's set out on the table before us?
2: In front of you, when you sit down at the table, you're going to have four highlight matches, which are matches that have taken place across the week, and you play across five weeks in the game. So each week you've got the highlight matches that go between the players. Each uh, match can hold two players, playing players playing their team's players down uh, and opposing each other. And there's also going to be either an event or a, uh, a demonstration match of some sort, or a tournament. A special bowl. Uh, which all the players can play at at once. So, uh, four-player action.
3: It's very much like watching the uh, recap on oh, uh, SBS or something. You know, the soccer highlights, or football highlights, or something like
0: that. Because that's what you're playing for, isn't it? It's like they're, they're framed as highlights that you're playing for.
2: That's but... exactly right. Each highlight gives... The winner at each match, the one who's got the most star power at the end of the week, uh, an award, which might be fans or it might be upgrades to their team in the form of star players or coaches um, or sometimes new team abilities, team upgrades.
3: So there are yeah, there were star players which, and there's a combination of team of players who represent your. Particular faction, whether it's dwarves or humans, then there's also uh, and, and the funny thing is because you're playing in leagues, you get access to all of the other uh, all the other star players in your league. So there's there's the CWC and then there's the um, the other guys, the other one, which is I can't remember <laughs> what it is, but. The yeah, so essentially, there's a good and an evil side, yeah. And the, and, the, the bad
0: guys are orcs. Yeah. And, so, if you look at the
3: good guys, you've got the humans, the dwarves, the, and the OWA, the OWA, yeah, that's, it, that's yeah. it. And so, you've got the humans, the dwarves, and the elves in the OWA, and so you've got all of their star players in a pool along with a bunch of like mercenary players or freebooters, as they're called, Yeah, and they all go into a pool. So when you're talking about uh,
0: recruiting new players into your side, that, that's the pool of players that you're going to recruit. And the, and the star dwarves and the star elves and yes. the star humans, and they all go into that deck. Yeah, they're all named players. Yeah. Um, what, for the humans, there's a player, Griff Oberwald,
3: is one of the most prominent players for the human side. Um, there's also uh, Morgan the Throg, which is Thorg, which is a an ogre player who <laughs> I think he's, um, he's... he's in both decks. Yeah, he's he's in... but, yeah, he's actually has the credit of playing for every team in the league. Yeah, everybody um, wants that guy. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the combination of. Um, star players who have a higher star ability, and it usually ranks from some, from uh, one to five, and then they might have an extra effect or an extra ability on play. Um, the only other thing is, is a little bit of flavour text. And, you know, in Morg's case, um, he's got this... Uh, I think it's, it's either the Juggernaut or Dauntless, and then he also has um, just that little bit of flavour text. So he's a pretty tough player, and it uh, would be versatile... Now, we haven't, um, we haven't discussed the skills and abilities yet, but this is a good place to talk about that because the, they come under the guise of actions. So, you know, there's several actions you can do in the game. Um, and they're all tied into the players. So each, one, each player has a little icon in the centre of their card, player card, that is either a, uh, like a burst, which is the tackle symbol, then there's the skull. Uh, sorry, I'll come to the skull later. Then there's a little arrow, which is the sprint ability. Then there's also the ball, which is a, a, like a ball-handlers ability, yeah. possession ability. And then the last one is the skull, which is cheating. Now, out of all the act- all the actions you can take in the game, the only compulsory one is cheating. You have to cheat to so win. So
2: players can also have multiple skills. They Sometimes can. Sometimes you get a really useful guy who, you know
0: run onto the field, he'll hit a dude, and then he'll cheat as well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the cheat's such a great mechanic in that it sits there, and while you're adding up in your head how, you know, how, the, how the, the, the contest might be panning out for you, you can have these cheat tokens sitting there, and you don't know whether it's going to eliminate a player from that contest or it's going to add something extra to it. It's, it's just such a fun thing. It adds a little bit of variance into uh, each highlight at the outcome of each highlight.
3: Yeah, no, no, that's that's one of my favourite, definitely one of my favourite mechanics because you've got this thing hanging over your head and you just don't know until you get to the scoreboard phase, which is the final phase... Uh, what's going to happen to that player it, it could be that they're totally you're in a position of power you're winning but you're only just winning and then all of a sudden your players kicked off that matchup and you go from position of dominance to, to behind and actually losing which happened so and it's, and
0: it's cool that there's a this component of the game. Is called is cheating because you know it's something that you because it's not cheating at all really it's just another element of the game which just sort of says it's a like a, it's a bit of a roll of the dice whether this guy's going to contribute to your final score or not yeah but there's but it's there and it's, it's saying, also
2: the cheating tokens are great for the fact that uh, sometimes you don't get star power or get sent off you just get fans because they like to see you cheat
0: <laughs> yeah that's right yeah and and that's so flavorful isn't it it's like you're gonna get banned you're gonna get kicked off you're gonna get fans from it or you're gonna get some extra star points and it's it that's so flavorful of blood bowl in itself isn't it it's just this crazy uh you know uh field full of maniacs just fighting over a ball thematically i think uh it represents
3: well the whistle symbol which which the the umpire caught you so you know rightfully so you get ejected from the game the fans uh the fan symbol basically means that they the crowd are on side with whatever you did and if the umpire tried to kick you out of the game the umpire would probably be lynched and then the other one is the extra star
0: power which means you just got away with it yeah Yeah. (laughs) And it's all set out very easily in, the in front of you. That,
2: the other thing I really love is uh, is the whole idea that when you're playing these guys down at certain matches, you're using their skills immediately, but you're still building up your team over the course of a, of a week. Uh, so you're really sort of you know making choices about which games you want to win, which games you just want to show up and participate in, and uh, you know if you actually manage to hit a dude hit your opponent enough and hard enough, you can knock them
3: out of a match and somebody else can come in and play that match. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So if, you, if you've only got one opponent facing you and you knock them out of that match-up, all of a sudden you've got an empty match-up, so you're unopposed until somebody else decides, like you said, Jamie, decides to um, enter that match-up or, you know, the same team jumps back into it, yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. It's like all of a sudden the team that was playing... Uh, for whatever reason was intimidated and left, and then a new team just rocks up happens to be at the at the field and, and decides to play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as the,
0: as the game progresses from week to week as your team manager, you go from these different uh, scenarios of uh, the, like different um, cup competitions and different um, cards that have an influence on the overall game, and you you can build your side so early on there 's a there's a, a feeling, even though you want to grab as many fans as you can, also playing for competitions that reward you with stars or the ability to uh, add an extra tackle in or add an extra help, you know, recover one of your players. Those sort of things are worth playing for earlier on in the game, aren't they? Yeah, to build. It's a way of, it's this game is it's
3: a deck development or hand development. Yeah. So you want to be improving your deck early on so that in the later game, in the mid and later game, you're actually more concentrated then on on accumulating fans because some of those team upgrades and even some of the players reward you for end of the game and reward you for scoreboard phase if they meet certain criteria. It might be uh, in the case of a thrower, maybe the thrower has the ball at the end of the match, at the end of the game. Uh, then you get extra fans for them uh, you know, based on how many mm. players are also at that matchup, up and, and so on and so forth. And in,
0: so. and in strengthening your deck, the freebooters that you get, not the star players, but the freebooters allow you to... Oh, yeah. is it the star players? No, it's the freebooters. The, the freebooters free allow you to eject... Like, Toss away a card, like yeah. to thin out your deck. A bit it's so the only can,
3: way you can thin it out yeah. is uh, by recruiting a freebooter. Which is
0: a which is a deck building mechanic yep. staple, isn't it? You want to toss out the the weaker stuff and strengthen it so that when you draw your basic six mm. card hand at the beginning of the of the round, you're getting some really good stuff. Yeah. It's got the same mechanic as most deck builders there,
3: where you're based on your prizes, your overall prizes from each matchup at the end of that that round. Uh, a cumulative uh, star players or a cumulative player upgrade, uh, team upgrades, things like that, you draw that many cards. So let's say you win three star players uh, over the course of the week. You only get to choose one of them, but you still draw yeah. three cards representing each of those possible recruits. And then out of those three, you can only choose one for your team.
0: Much like a team manager might, <laughs> yeah. you would say, Matt. Yeah, you don't want to breach the salary cap. Yeah, that's right. They've got a choice of the players that are out there. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: often if you're going to hire
3: a freebooter, it means kicking someone off the team. So
2: the other really beautiful thing about it is the art is just so lush. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very, very like you know, do really good quality stuff. But this game,
2: the art looks fantastic, and the flavor text is hilarious on some of the cards. I've got uh, I've got one in front of me, the mighty Zug. Yeah. And uh, and he says the last commentator to suggest. Mighty Doug was an ogre, not a human. Was no legs. Heinrich Schmidt, and just little bit, little touches like that, you know, really give you the flavour and the feel of these people, these players that you've got working for you.
3: Yeah, the um, I think the two commentators, I think they've been through there throughout the whole base game, and they they're also uh, within the living rulebook for for the Get Blood Bowl uh, game, which. They're, they're, they're always there with those little witticisms or these little comments about the player, which add flavor and they add uh, just a, a whole heap of character to, to Blood Bowl. They really flesh it out and the world that this, that this game exists in, which, you know, if, if, if you don't know, links very closely in with the Warhammer universe for uh, Games Workshop.
0: Yeah. But the, thing, the thing I love about this game is uh, we've been playing it all month And I've got no concept of which weeks I've won the overall game, you know, the the total game at the end of the night. Um, I've just had fun from doing each, like uh, competing for each highlight or competing for each uh, blood bowl or whatever bowl that we might have been playing for. And you get these little victories along the way which just keep you interested that keep you yeah. going. So even if you're on a hiding to nothing and the other person's got 30 fans and you've got 15 and you're not going to win, it's still fun to stay engaged in. It doesn't, You don't get ejected from this game really soon. You know? You're not doing the whole, I'm not in this game, walking around the room, waiting for the next yeah. game to start. Yeah. You're in it the whole way because it's just fun. And I think, I think that's that theme, that Blood Bowl theme yeah. that we've all enjoyed from when the, that first board game came out. And this is just added to it and it... Totally drags you into that world.
2: what's really nice is that all the teams have their own flavour as well. Like, the elves like to handle the ball and move it around. The humans, actually, they're not that good at the game, but they merchandise really well. And then you get teams <laughs> like the orcs that are really good at great at just bashing people.
0: Yeah, but a sort of slow. And, you know, I think that was the original core game, wasn't it? That They were super strong... Uh, but wouldn't run very fast, where elves yeah. would grab the ball and move very fast.
3: I, I but... had a hard time deciding whether the decks are quite asymmetric or not. I mean, they all seem to have overlapping abilities, uh, very common abilities between the four sides. But I, was then... f-
0: I always felt that whoever was playing against me had a better deck than I
3: did. <laughs> well, the, the chaos teams tend to, to cheat a lot more, um, the orcs uh, are. Better at, at uh, tackling and bashing their opponent. The dwarves are very good at retaining the ball, and they don't so much play the game as they draw it to like a stalemate sort of situation, um, and and win simply because they uh, they're denying their opponent the opportunity to hold the ball. Um, so yeah, I I. I, I had a hard time deciding whether there was balance jamie did you think that there's there's balance between the games? I know this is a question we can ask Jay, but uh, yeah did you yourself find that they are quite well balanced
2: i've played a lot of this game, like a lot of this game, um, and yeah look over time that it definitely works out. I know a couple of people who say that the humans have got a slight advantage over everybody else because some of their some of their upgrades naturally sort of push them towards getting more fans. But right. um, but in general, in terms of the actual play on the table and your deck being able to do things and versus other people's decks being able to do things, they all work out pretty balanced. It's just a matter of picking what the strategy is that you're supposed to follow and then trying to dig for some uh, some team upgrades that are going to help you.
3: Yeah. I don't think I've discovered the strategy
2: yet. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I just, I'm
0: just i playing with whatever is in front of me. Have, have you got a few strategies there, Jamie, like pro tips that you could, you could lend us? Yeah,
2: look, again, it depends on which team you're playing. So, for example, uh, if you're playing the Dwarves, um, like you said, they're really good at holding onto the ball. What they need is more ways to get the ball. So when you go digging for star players, you want to find guys who can move the ball a little bit to get it onto the Dwarves who then don't drop it half the time. Uh, and their other real big, really big strength is that when they get hit, most people, when they get hit, they lose a lot of star power. They go from, you know, threes and fours down yeah. to ones and yeah. zeros. The dwarves, not so much. They tend to lose maybe one point of star power when they get hit, and they're really good at, uh, at getting back up with some of their team upgrades as well. So, so the... you, you want to try and upgrade them with the star players who can uh, who can move the ball and get some of their team upgrades going so that they can stand up and ignore the hits.
0: So what, the number one job, I suppose, is when you're choosing a certain faction or a certain team in this game is to become aware of what their strengths and weaknesses are, and then when recruiting star players or freebooters to your team, you want to aim to fill the uh, with the weaknesses?
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely well, it's one way to go. Another one is just play to the strengths even more. So a team like the Orcs that hits people, yeah. if you get more big guys who hit people even harder you know, you're laughing because the, the bottom line is your opponent needs to have someone there in order to win the match.
3: <laughs> you end up, yeah, well, that's true. You end up injuring the whole team. <laughs> so the, there's uh,
2: definitely different strategies within the game, and, um, and you'll find that the different, uh, the different teams really lend themselves to a strategy, but you can also plug the, the gaps and try and go for a generalized uh, strategy. This is something that they sort of play on a bit with the expansions as well. They introduce new teams and uh, and a couple of extra mechanics that again sort of tend to give you options to build into. So, um, one of them uh, so there's two expansions. One of them's called Foul Play, yeah, and that, that introduces fouling, which makes your opponent discard cards and redraw. Okay. And um, the other one is uh, Sudden Death, which uh, which has just some extra teams and. Um, and some different balls uh, that you can play with. You actually get the balls have powers on them, so when you take the ball, you get to do an extra thing.
0: Yeah.
3: I think both of them... The foul play introduces three new teams, and I think they're more um, and, and within a new league, so it introduces a new league to the game, and I think they're more chaos sort of based. I think if from... if Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Chaos Dwarves are one of them. Um, there's also another variant of a Chaos... Team, and then there are dark elves. Is that right?
2: That's right, I think. Yeah. And then the other box has vampires and undead and dark elves. I think it is. And again,
3: introduce yeah three teams and introduces another league into the game. So all of a sudden, you've gone from two leagues in the base set to four leagues with the expansions. I don't think. Oh, does it does it increase the number of players from four to six? Is that something that happens?
2: It goes to five with to five. With,
0: the, with the expansions. Yeah. So, and all, yeah. The, all of their star players would just go into the same yeah. league uh, basis, so you're getting anybody in.
3: Yeah. Well, that's the way. If you were to go on and expand, I mean, I, I'm sure there are variations, but if you were to grab the two um, chaos-based leagues, for example, put them into the same, you, you'd end up with cards that you know don't match because the artwork on the backs of the cards won't wait synergize so therefore you know what's sort of coming up so Mm. that's why you keep them separate um so they're not designed to be matched together they're designed to be played in opposition okay
2: two really clever things about the design of this game that i like one is that it's a really quick game in terms of i play a dude i know exactly what his abilities are i do them somebody else's turn now and and there's very little AP or slowdown in the in the game. You know, you really keep moving, you get that chaotic feeling. Yeah. Um, but the other one that really helps with that is that because there's only as many highlights as there are players and maybe a tournament, you're only ever really going to be in two matches. So you don't have too much to focus on in the end. You get to narrow down and pick what you're going for and just work on those things.
3: Yeah, that's right. The only... Um, the only change to that is if you're playing a two-player game then of course you've got 2 matchups plus a tournament which you know gives you Oh no it's exactly what you said yeah the most you'll play is two games and sometimes if there's a tournament you'll get access to a third but um, now the tournaments vary from the highlights in that they're a free-for-all everyone's able to compete in the tournament for as many number of players that there are. And you don't have to. It's not compulsory. Or, uh, whereas with the highlights, it's only two opposing teams are allowed to compete for that highlight.
0: And the bowls are quite rewarding. even Because what you've got to remember is, as you play this game, yeah, if you win it, you get a bag full of stuff. But when you lose it, you still get fans or other rewards and stuff like that, as much as if you won... Like, you know, people, if you went and saw any sort of competitive sport... Fans might be drawn to a particular team because they've got a certain spirit about them. You know, they. I like the way the dwarves play, but even though they lost, I liked watching them, and so you gain fans still. And the game reflects that, doesn't it? So you still can score stuff by even losing.
2: Yeah. Well, based on the The tournaments are also really great fun because some of the star player abilities aren't just about that player; they're about when things happen. So if you're in a four-player tournament, then that thing is happening a lot more. The other day, I was playing, and I had. I had a guy who, whenever somebody tackles somebody else, both the tackled player and the tackling player get a cheat token. So suddenly, everyone in that matchup was getting cheat tokens all the time. And at the end, half the field was sent off.
0: <laughs>
3: that creates a really good narrative um, story, you know, story for that that tournament. And I think that creates one of those moments that you remember about that game. Oh, I remember the Chaos Cup where we uh, where everybody got sent off, you know. And and they're the things you remember and you talk about and, and I think what leads you into playing more games of Blood Bowl be, of team manager because uh, you do it does create a
0: strong um, sense of, of of an actual league, I think it's it's so. This it just drives home this point that I think of. Where it surprised me how Games Workshop left let this IP just sort of wilt away. They just they developed it and they're onto something great. I remember when I wasn't, I didn't know my way around gaming at all, and seeing people play Blood Bowl, and it's mm-hmm. getting the general idea of what was going on. It was like this has got something good. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a quality world game thing that you want to sink your teeth into. And it's so strange how they just let it ebb away because this game's just sidled up alongside of it, broaden the theme, and it is just it's just rocking the world, isn't it, with it? It's it's really good fun. Well Blood Bowl went to their
3: it's um... such a
2: silly little idea, but yet but that's yeah. sort of the beauty of it. You have fun from the first moment of Blood Bowl because you've got to suspend that disbelief and say yeah, absolutely. Instead of going to war, the elves and the dwarves are just going to play football.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy to understand, isn't it? It's That's the thing. A, a, a nine-year-old could waltz up to this game and go, I get it. The orcs are going to play the humans. The orcs are going to smash the humans. The humans are going to try and run away before the orcs can smash them. Great. How do we start? And and you know, intuitively, you know how this is going to pan out. Well, it's just like that, um, that r- movie Robot Jocks
3: where all the nations of the world... Create giant fighting robots, and that's how they resolve their conflicts now. Rather than going to war, they send their uh, their giant robots off to fight, and whoever won settles the dispute. And and you know, I think you were the only guy we to
0: watch that movie, Matt. This <laughs> Matt,
2: sounds don't... like an amazing movie. I want to see this now. <laughs> oh,
3: you haven't seen Robot Jocks? Jeez, <laughs> Robot um, Jocks.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like Pacific Rim at the United Nations.
3: Yeah, um funny enough, I think Pacific Rim is actually a re implementing of that, um, in a in a sense. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Alright, so Jamie, Jamie you've said you obviously you've played this to death. You've you've you're well deep in on this game. You would totally recommend it, right?
2: From day one I loved this game. It is it is seriously. Uh, I hate to put things in top lists now because, you know, we've had that confusion. Yeah. But, uh, it's right after but Superman 2, the board game. You know, one of my go to games, and I will be happy to play this anytime with anyone who walks into the store.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's a really big learning curve on it, which is one of those things that attracts me to it as a as a game that you can pick up and run with as soon as you open the box.
0: The manual seems to be big though. Like you've you you've played it and owned yeah. it, and you taught me. But when I was looking at you flicking through the manual the other day, I thought, wow, there's quite a few pages to that. Is picking it up from scratch with no one there to teach you a bit of a headache? I, I did find
3: there were some bit of some ambiguities in the in the rule book, but. Yeah. The, um, for the most part, everything was answered with an example, mm-hmm. uh, and the, it's got an index at the back, which is great. We love indexes. But what's missing, I think, is the rule um, reference.
0: Okay, you know, a like player a, reference would be good. For, oh, there isn't a player reference? A quick there's one on it. the back of it. Because I used you as the player reference. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah. one, there's one. Look, well, there's the first mistake. It's,
2: it's one of those games that once you've muddled through your first game, You've got instantly, yeah. or watch somebody else play it for a little while. You you know what you're doing. Or we but played... yeah, when you first come to it cold, that rule book is it's tricky in places.
0: It's definitely easy if you've got someone who knows how to play it. Uh, the last time we played it, Matt and I, we, we'd played it for a few weeks and we invited two new players in. Now, one of them arrived, say, at 7 o'clock in the evening and the other guy arrived at 8 o'clock. And we played half a game with the guy at 7 o'clock and then introduced it to the guy at 8 o'clock. Both of them got it straight away, you know, yeah. like within within two or three minutes of just saying, this is what he got to do, everybody's in. You know, it's, it's definitely one of those games. It's not where you... Have to keep refreshing, you know. Your, the, you know, what do I have to do now? What what, what happens next? No, and it's very confused. formulaic. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's, there's definitely there's times when you might refer back to the rulebook just to work out how this power interacts with that power. But generally speaking, it's all very straightforward.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: It you know icons. The icons make it um, fairly easy, and all the rules for the individual player abilities are on the card too. So they tell you how to interact um You know they've got that mixed card size, which means that they have to be fairly efficient, I think, with some of their rules that they put on the cards, especially with the the upgrade cards, which are the small, the small yeah. f- uh, fantasy flight size. They, um, so they have to be quite efficient in the way that they get which which sometimes I've found leads to uh, unexplained situations because they simply... We're, we're using the economy of space and not able to get all the rules on there. Uh, we got, we got lost a, in terms of
0: when the end of game was or the scoreboard phase was, but that's just a matter of just checking in with yeah. the rule book about when end of because initially we were scoring end of game stuff every single every single game week, weren't we? Yeah, yeah I think again. there's
2: an inherent problem there in that you know you're playing a game about playing a game yeah. and your players playing in a game with players. You know, so yeah, so the technology a gets a bit muddy because of, because you are simulating running a football team. Yeah, but yeah. Once once you get your head around it, it's
0: not too bad. You know, what, we know what it feels like to me. It feels like we just you just want to say, look, just play it. This this is this is really good fun. It's just like we don't even need to talk about it. It's just just play it. That's you know this this game yeah. like other games we play. You want to you want to get absorbed in how cool a mechanic works or how cool this bit looks or how we all interacted, that was great. With this game, it's just like, I, I feel like lost words. It's just like, just get in there and, and play it through because this is the, I think it's the theme that wins out in this. Yeah. And the game just sure. lends itself to say, here's the theme, just enjoy it. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, it makes sense.
3: The, the theme fits perfectly with the game. With the game design and the mechanics,
2: yeah, uh, that's right. You feel like you're doing the thing that the, the game tells you you're doing. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. Look, I guess if, if we were going to recommend it to specific people, yeah, my, my first idea would be you know, grab beers and chips and play with your mates, kind of thing. It's it's not it's not a gateway game. It's not you know your first exploration into gaming because it's got too much too much interaction between different rules going on for that
0: i'd, but... I'd agree the, the people that we had down have played games before and we've dragged them through games before i mean one person in particular was you know is reasonably new to it but he he's played enough with us to know a few of the surprises we can spring upon him mm. so it's definitely no gateway game in that sort of terms
2: no but once you once you've gotten past settlers or carcassonne you know i think you're, you're right for this kind of game you know like there's there's enough depth to be interesting without too much complexity, all things told.
0: And if, and if you have a basic idea about Games Workshop world or even fantasy world, so you know generally what a dwarf's pluses and minuses are and orcs' pluses and minuses are and what function humans usually serve in these sort of games, you, you're there, aren't you? You already know what to expect from your team.
2: Imagine Lord of the Rings, but everyone's a soccer hooligan. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: now, that would be good. Why don't we get that? Have you got um well there's um there are We got Peter Jackson's phone number we should, <laughs> we should do that.
3: There's uh there is actually a soccer um a fantasy soccer game um football game the ra- round ball I shouldn't call it soccer I know you'd hate me for that David but yeah. um so there's a fantasy football version that that uses the round ball and I'm trying to remember it, it's Chaos Ball is that the one? All uh, I thought chaos ball was more like basketball or something like that, but <laughs> <laughs> but there was another one I can't remember. It's it's I can't remember what it's called. I think it might be, um, it's played chaos with opposing ball. teams, like like old set in in the backdrop of uh, England. Uh, you know, back in the. Uh, I don't know, 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> in the way back when, where uh, teams of were represent guild
0: ball. It's called guild ball. There oh, we go. Yep. And tune uh, yeah, in next week to the <laughs> podcast called Matt Remembers Things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
3: yeah, so it's the same sort of experience, but with a different game as the theme. And I don't think it's as tongue in cheek as what uh, blood bowl. Uh, is really to be honest. I think it takes itself a little bit too, a little bit more seriously. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, a piece that's...
2: of flavor text, and this happens often in the game. You'll just be sitting around planning your move, and you'll hear someone laughing across the table, <laughs> and they'll, they'll read you a piece of flavor text that they've found. And there's <laughs> one that I've found here that I just want to share with everyone. If you've got the goods, Morgenthau is likely the best player on your team. If you don't have the goods, he's likely the best player on the other team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: So uh, it's got a uh, thumbs up for me. I, I really enjoy this game. I recommend it. Um, and, yeah, I can see it having a long and illustrious uh, career on my bookshelf.
0: Yeah, it's not in my games collection at the moment, and it will be. I guess I've really enjoyed this last month. It's not been arduous at all. This is something I've really got to get more of. It's great fun. I
2: already said I was there from day one. Yeah. If anything else comes out for Blood Bowl Team Manager, I'm getting
0: it day one. There we go. <laughs> Jamie Lawrence, old school blood Bowl <laughs> team manager. Yeah. All right, well, should we uh, should we blob here? I think Jay Little's on the other side. Let's blob. Well, the, the designer of this game that we're talking about. Let's do it.
2: Blob boy. All
1: right. Hello there. Hello, Jay. Hey, Jay. How you doing? Can you hear us? I can hear you guys just fine. How about you? Yeah. Awesome. We-
0: yeah. Come through loud and clear. And initially we were just uh wondering what what life looks like for jay little you know what what are you doing i mean it's it's eight o'clock in the morning over there for you right
1: uh yeah so right now um my typical day is really hard to explain because there is no typical uh so between my time as a freelancer uh i also teach and i teach game design woohoo yeah that's amazing where do you teach I teach at a local university here, uh, not too far away, so I live in Minnesota in the Midwest in the States, and I teach over in Wisconsin, which is about uh, a 90-minute commute for me each way. It's not too bad, but I spend three hours on the road every day that I teach, but that's how much I love teaching game design. Um, This semester, I'm teaching two-dimensional video game design. Uh, Over the years, I've also taught... Introduction to game design and 3D game design. Over the winter, I taught board game production and processes. uh, And also, I've had the opportunity to teach a board game uh, summer workshop for high schoolers and other opportunities to teach game design. One of the other really cool things that I get to do is I usually travel to about six conventions every year and host a number of workshops, seminars, or offer presentations on game design, uh, the industry, or other elements of either design, um, aspects of things that impact design, such as the social contract of people playing at the table, things like that. So I'm really, really passionate not only about design, but at the community built up around hobby gaming, uh, and I also love to teach.
3: Yeah, how does the how did the teaching opportunities come about, Jay?
1: Well, I've always had an interest in teaching, and I've always had kind of the the leadership alpha personality. Uh, for example, whenever we role play, because I'm a really big role playing game fan as well, I was always the the dungeon master or the game master. Yeah. So. I've always had that sort of personality, and uh, about 12 to 15 years ago now, gosh, it's been that long, um, yeah. I had taught at university before, back when the internet was new.
0: Yeah, I remember those days.
1: You know, when we had Internet Explorer 1.0, <laughs> and and Netscape Navigator.
3: Um, yeah. I... Wow. Well, you okay. you're talking to a gentleman here Jay who,
0: who can remember those days with you i think it's so good that what? you it's so good that you stay engaged because obviously it's something you're passionate about and it'd be easy for you to disappear off into the ivory tower now but for students to actually you know sit in a room with you and see this guy's done it it really makes that thing of game design which could be feel really distant really tangible and really achievable right
1: it's it's kind of neat to be able to do that. Um, it's kind of funny sometimes in class. I've had students come up to me after the first day, and they've got their box of X Wing that they want me to sign <laughs> after the first day of class. <laughs> and it's been it's been funny, but it's also kind of neat that I do get to share this and something that's been so important to me over the years because I grew up as a gamer. Yeah. Uh, and being able to share that enthusiasm and passion, which now I've had the opportunity to back up with experience and yeah, knowledge, that's been awesome. Yeah. Do you have do you have okay, other gushy again for a second?
2: We'll uh, <laughs> have a fantasy role play. Just you're you're talking about being a role player. It's yeah. one of my favorite role playing games. I I saw that you were there on the design team, and I was like, you know, I've, I've Played some of your other stuff, this is fantastic. Once I got it out, opened up the box, got all the pieces, gave it a go, I was in love. It's so
1: cool. Well, <laughs> thank you, and, and that was really one of the first things that I got to work on that, um, I guess really made me feel like I made it because I was so invested. I had played first edition. Warhammer fantasy roleplay growing up and I still have this huge folder of all these photocopied character sheets. Um, first edition and, and was like,
2: my first role role-playing game.
1: It, it, was, it was among my first. And I have several copies of the original rulebook, like the Hogshead edition and uh, the different editions. And it's interesting to, to look at some of the differences between them. But then I have almost every book from second edition. Um, And so taking a look at the long history that the role play game has and how much I love that, and I had played the tabletop, so getting to work with the Games Workshop license uh, was a really, really big deal for me. And not only that, but that was my first project at Fantasy Flight Games. So that was a really big step into the industry that, I guess in a sense, validated my decision to become a full-time game designer at that point yeah
2: it's amazing that you say that actually because one of the things that we that you certainly hear the deep you get into the industry is that there are no full-time game designers or you know that there's very very few of them and um to hear you say you know that that's your decision and you've gone and done it's a really brave thing
1: it's pretty scary (laughs) um so you know there are some of the larger companies that have significant stabs. And now Fantasy Flight Games have been one of them. And you have Hasbro's division with Wizards of the Coast. And you have smaller ones, too, like Steve Jackson Games. And they've got smaller stabs of maybe 10, 15, 20, sometimes up to 30 people. And they get to work full-time. But you're still talking about relatively small stabs. When I was hired at Fantasy Flight Games, I was employee number 42. Lucky number. You know, and, and at that point when Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay was still in development, you would buy a Fantasy Flight Games product and it's this huge AAA title with these beautiful components and this super production value. And you'd think that this was made by this massive company. You know, and it's just because of this perception of quality and they knew what they were doing. They knew how to create a game and it was really this amazing. (sighs) One of the first things that I think people are shocked about when they step into the industry is how amazing so much stuff gets done by so few people.
3: Yeah. You see that a lot of the the, the same names popping up all over the uh you know, yeah, over and over again. Uh, some prime examples: Rainer Kunitzia and um, uh, Bruno Cathala, and, and names like that. You, you just see them constantly popping around um, on on new games. So you wonder how easy it is for other fledgling designers to crack into that with such a a, a huge legacy. And I don't know whether it's any different to uh, say being an author or. Um, being an actor but do you think that there is this uh
0: well... well there's a finite amount of games that they're going to pump out every year isn't there and and that's yeah and you and like you said, like even with having a chat with jay today you know when you go hunting around and say all right what, what else has jay been involved in you know I, I see i see you're in your name pop up on all sorts of yeah. things all of a sudden you know it's like it's uh like a, a limited crowd that gets to design all these games, it seems, or it would seem. Jay, do you find you
3: don't have to, or you need to diversify to be able to stay prominent or stay current?
1: You know, that's a great question, and I think it's changed a lot over the years, even just in the short amount of time since I worked with Fantasy Flight Games. Now, before Fantasy Flight Games, I had been a freelancer for some time and before that, I actually worked full-time with WizKids, and a lot of people forget that I had actually worked at WizKids for a while, or they may not have even known that, but I, I worked there for about a year and a half.
3: yeah.
1: Um, and that was during their heyday when, when Heroclix is still around, but before they were sold off the tops and then were kind of dissolved and then came back with this huge resurgence, I mean, they dominated the industry with their whole click style games with Shadowrun Duels and Crimson Skies and their... Um, you know, Mech Warrior game and HeroClix came out, and Mage Knight, um, and Jordan Weissman had this huge, huge concept for all these games. Their Pirates game, um, and it was a really different time there. But you're right, very, very few companies. Rio Grande in the hobby gaming side or the Eurogame side was kind of importing all these games coming over from Europe. Mayfair kind of had this handhold or or stranglehold with bringing Settlers of Catan over. And it was a very different environment. So you saw very, very few unique names and fewer new designers coming into the industry. And the full-time game designers were often working for companies and given the game ideas from within the company saying, all right here's an idea the company has, and you are next on our list, so you're now going to design this game for us. Yeah. You know, rather than the designer in the company coming up with the idea and going to management going, ooh, I've got this idea for a game, can we get this on the production schedule?
2: So you, you, that's actually a really interesting point. So with Blood Bowl, uh, you said you had a background with with Warhammer already. You've played the the role playing game and and designed yep. the role playing game. Um, what what do you get handed when when somebody says, you make a Blood Bowl game?" And what do you have the freedom to create yourself?
1: Oh, Blood Bowl was a really really interesting uh, anecdote because the amount of time that you get, the amount of support that you get, and the amount of information that you get going into a game can vary so greatly. Now I had played a lot of blood bowl before I had been in some leagues before I had joined fantasy flight games. And so I had played blood bowl a lot. One of my favorite games.
2: Okay, you speak in my language.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're I amongst mean, friends, Jay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got several painted teams within a few feet of me right now. Um, <laughs> And I still just think fondly back to having these tournaments and I've still got the team rosters printed out somewhere. I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But so the, when fantasy flights had their arrangement with games workshop, I know that blood bowl had been talked about in the office for a while and I had always been excited about that. But since I was working on Warhammer fantasy Roleplay, I knew that it was being handled by other people. Yeah. So I always just kind of had my ear out to hear conversations about it because I was just so interested and I'd be available to brainstorm or playtest over lunch, whatever was being worked on. But I always knew that it was in other people's court. Um, But then eventually when I hit a lull in my production schedule and there was a gap between uh, major projects, I was approached and told, you know, Uh, there have been some hiccups and there have been some struggles and we're not really happy with the previous iterations of Blood Bowl up to this point, do you want to give it a shot? I'm like, well, (laughs) okay.
0: Yeah, that decision didn't (laughs) take long, right? Yeah.
1: And I I was really excited because this was the first non-role-playing game project that I was given. Um, and I'm like, well, I don't want to mess this up because this is my <laughs> first shot to show them that I can do more than just role-playing games, plus it's Blood Bowl. Well, yeah. good job. You knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I I knew right away that I could not just recreate a game of Blood Bowl. It, it couldn't be done with just cards. And if you wanted to do that, just play the tabletop game.
3: No, oh, that's it. Yeah, if you want Blood Bowl, play Blood Bowl. <laughs> but this well, takes it, it, it to a new level
1: what I thought I could bring to the table is that I understood what the greater experience of blood bowl was beyond just playing a single match. And that was what the league experience gives you that a single match doesn't. Yeah. And if you're, you're blood bowl players, what do you think that is? It's developing a team. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I tried to capture. In the card game,
3: I was going to say uh, getting uh, endorsements and uh, <laughs> advertising and things like that. But yeah, no, <laughs> managing, uh, creating a team fits better, Jamie. Thanks for that.
1: And that's why there are the team upgrades and being able to add star players. And that was a real part of the key, as well as having divisions. Um, And, you know, there were some wonky things, like why can you have a human star player on a dwarf team? And some of those were just contrivances so that mechanically we could get rules to work and get certain things to work in terms of card counts and being able to structure things. And so those were bigger decisions and bigger things that we had to get Games Workshop to understand from the gameplay standpoint. Yeah. But they loved so much about the rest of the gameplay Um, And I actually got to go over to England and and play it with Jervis Johnson. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, that's when I got to gush.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was looking at that guy. I had the original box cover out the other day, and I was looking at that guy's name and just thinking, where's that guy now? (laughs) You know, what's he up to?
1: Oh, it was... I I was a little starry-eyed and starstruck meeting him because Blood Bowl had been such a, a huge influential game on me and obviously such a big impact on my design decisions for team manager. Um, And so the fact that he was excited about what he heard and about what he saw in my prototype really, you know, reinforced to me that I was on the right track. Um, And so the other thing that was real key to me was the whole idea of the highlight and the highlight reel. Yeah. So if if you can't recreate an entire game, then it made me think at the end of a season, you don't remember every single game that you played. Instead what you remember are all the smack talk moments.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's it.
0: And that's what I was just talking we were just talking about, like we've just done the the podcast and just reviewed the game and, and, and how we how we enjoyed playing it. And that was the thing I said in the last month where we've just played nothing but Blood Bowl Team Manager together. The thing that I remember is not whether I won the overall game on on each week. It's because it's because there's so the episodic nature of it is that you win a particular round or a, a contest or something like that, <laughs> and that bit's brilliant. It's good fun, and you, and in the end yeah you can win or you can lose, but you 've won little bits along the way and it 's like like you said those smack talk moments where you can remember back to you know week three of a season where this thing went down and you rolled a dice you know, like in the original game you might roll a dice and this thing happened that might be the bit that you talk about after the whole tournaments ended and and that gets summed up in this game really well was you know was that something that was you know just an organic thing that developed out or was that what you were aiming for you know when you talked about what you wanted to bring to it as a Blood Bowl player.
1: I I think it was something that as the development came on, I started to notice it. And then it was like, Oh wait, I think this is one of those milestone moments that we found one of the mechanics or one of the experiences that we now realize need to be in the game. Yeah. Um, Or, or this is one of the things that's the quintessential Blood Bowl experience. One of the things that I teach to my students is that when all is said and done, people remember stories, they don't remember data. So you don't go back years later and tell people, hey, do you remember when you rolled that six, that two, that two, and that one in that Blood Bowl (laughs) game?
0: Yeah, it's the consequences Do you remember when you
1: tried to tackle me with your, you know, orc blocker and instead you fell on your face and then I danced past you with my... War dancer and scored my fourth goal of the uh, half. Yeah. Highlight, you know.
2: Yeah, but you definitely do remember those moments when it was double skull, reroll, double skull.
1: <laughs> but it's within the context of a particular match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. So, so, so look,
2: you were saying before you really you had an interest in the social contract between gamers. How how do you feel that that fits in with a game like Blood Bowl where you're sort of inherently telling them to smack talk each other?
1: <laughs> uh, I think it's absolutely fine and wonderful because I think it's assumed that part of the enjoyment of the game is that. And I think that's kind of conveyed in the art style and the theme and the flavor text. So. Uh, Dan Clark at Fantasy Flight Games, he's a content writer and a developer. Brilliant guy. He wrote the flavor text for all the cards in Blood Bowl Team Manager. Um, Like, he really got it. He really understood. He wrote the flavor text on the highlights between the commentators and all the little blurbs on the player cards. Like, the Morgenthorn quote is my favorite. (laughs) You know, I've, I've played for every team in the league except those I ain't or I haven't, you know, whatever, however it's phrased. But it, it's brilliant, and it conveys this whole idea of this uh, no prisoners, take no attitude, don't take any guff from anybody, what you're going to do about it. Um, and, and I think it just becomes a natural part, especially since the core mechanic is basically a game of chicken. Yeah. I'm going to raise the bid. What are you going to do about it?
3: Yeah, that's it, upping the ante, yeah. So then, All right, so look,
2: surely we're going to get lynched by our listeners if we don't ask you about X-Wing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, um, about you half? know,
2: It's the juggernaut <laughs> in the room. Um,
1: <laughs> as what an can elephant. you tell
2: us about the process of developing that game?
1: Well, actually, w- one last little tidbit about Blubble Team Manager. Um, mine was th- the final game that was... Uh, approved and developed and in your hands that you're playing was actually the 13th iteration. Wow. So it went through 13 different versions and iterations before we got it right, and it was finally exactly what we wanted and fulfilled what we felt was a true, authentic Blood Bowl experience that played well.
2: That really (laughs) speaks to the quality of the development over at Fantasy Flight, actually, because... To go through thirteen iterations, you know, and say no to the first twelve is really—that's a lot of work.
1: It um, yes, yeah. And and the reason I say that is to put it into contrast with X Wing, which, by and large, my first prototype was changed, obviously, but the core of my very first prototype is very, very visible in the final game.
3: That's good. So Um, you managed to hold on to something that was started up as the initial concept, so you're able to maintain that. That must be very satisfying uh, to see something that was an original concept make it all the way through.
1: it, It really was, because as soon as I found out that I was going to be working on it, I immediately had some ideas And was able to spend some time, get those ideas together, and bring it to them within two weeks. My initial idea, I had full playable bits that we were able to play a complete match with um, and and try out. And it was basically like, yes, this is the direction we want to go in. Uh, I believe that was about the amount of time that it took. I mean, we had some smaller bits for what we call a proof of concept, which is just enough to try it out to see if the mechanics actually function. Yeah. Uh, And once that works, then you actually try to create enough for a full prototype so that you can see how a complete round or game would work. All
3: right. So at what point does it get um, greenlit? Before, at the pitch, so is it at the pitch, does it then get the green light or then you've got to produce this proof um, before it gets taken any further, or do you just go then back to the drawing board and, and come up with another iteration to move forward with is, it, is that generally what happens? You get that far and then it's this, uh, someone decides yes, you can proceed with the project or no, it gets shelved.
1: You know, it it really varies based on the project, and in this particular case, because of the license, and because of the significance of Star Wars, and because of the significance of the potential for this product line, there was a lot more scrutiny. And I can't really talk to the way that uh, Fantasy Flight Games handles that internally. But what I can say overall from my experience with the industry is that the, the more important and the more money that the company is going to invest in the overall production of the game long term, the more rounds of approval it's going to go through and the greater the scrutiny. So the designer generally is going to spend some initial time creating that original proof of concept and then just share it with immediate people in the office or grab some people who sit closest to them or uh, ask some people, hey, over lunch, do you want to check this out? And basically just use them as a sounding board to see if this idea even floats.
3: Yeah. I read uh, a part of the design diaries that come from Fantasy Flight. Um, You probably made some of them yourself. uh, Talking about grabbing those lunch break matches and things like that, just... Any opportunity to play to test something out, and that opportunity was seized. Did that go into creating a, a, a sort of an energy or a um, impetus for for the project to, to to keep it moving? To know that you um, you were hitting the right mark, that, that you were starting to develop something that people were invested and engaged with.
1: It was essential, at yeah. least in my mind. Uh, One, because everybody loves Star Wars, and everyone had a vested interest to see that this was a phenomenal game. I mean, everyone, no matter what department they were in, no matter how long they had been at the company, no matter what role they had, everyone wanted to make sure that this was the best possible Star Wars game because the Fantasy Flight Games logo was going on, and everyone is proud to be a member of Fantasy Flight Games. So more than any other product I had been a part of, everyone wanted to be a part of this, see it succeed, and it was amazing. Like You never had somebody turn you down for a chance to play over lunch (laughs) or to pitch in or to offer feedback. Um, And this was an amazing example of everybody involved in the process improving the game along the way.
0: You must have thought you must have thought you'd hit gold when you were working with the i p for Blood Bowl, which seemed huge it seems huge in our world, but then to be looking down the barrel of Star Wars, I mean my God was that must have been brown trousers time, right <laughs>
1: <laughs> It was intimidating yeah so so Blood Bowl was really, really exciting because I had the opportunity to work with something that I loved and I had so much experience with it that I knew I could do it justice and that there were fervent fans. But with Star Wars, not only are there fervent fans, but for Star Wars, what Star Wars means to people is different for everyone. With Blood Bowl, there's a more consistent interpretation, if you will. But with Star Wars, like what does Star Wars mean to you? Well, for some... It's the starship battles and the dogfighting versus the pilots and the feeling of that versus the scum and villainy and versus the force and all of these different things that yeah. comprise the Star Wars experience. So it, it's a much more daunting task.
0: Yeah, we've seen that recently. We just worked with a new movie coming out, and people arguing over the extended universe versus you know what's in canon and them wiping the slate clean and saying this is the new stuff. So, I mean, you'd be, you'd be tied up in all of that as developing a game that's part of that universe, right? It's so many things to consider.
1: Yeah, and, and I was actually involved in two of the first three Star Wars releases. So not only was I doing X-Wing, but I was also doing the Star Wars roleplay line starting with Edge of the Empire.
3: That's brilliant. I've been watching... Um, I haven't played it myself, but I've been watching the Invictus stream play it, a uh, bunch of guys over in Canada on, on YouTube, and they... It's, it has this effect that they, they've developed a community of, of uh, viewers and everyone's getting involved creating stories based, on, based around the Star Wars universe to help move the story along. I don't know if you know it or not, but... Um, that Edge of the Empire. Now, I hadn't played any of the Star Wars role-playing games up to that point, um, but this one struck a chord, I think, with a lot of people and it's, it's, it's dynamic, it's real in the sense that you feel like you're a part, you've become part of that universe in, in your own story and, and you know, that, that's meaningful to people.
1: It's really exciting to me that I feel we developed a system talking about the Star Wars roleplay line as a a spiritual successor of the narrative dice system from Warhammer Fantasy roleplay that is flexible enough to really allow people to tell whatever part of the Star Wars experience is most dear and important to them and really explore the entire width and breadth of the star Wars universe, um, in a really, really dynamic fast paced system. And I think of all the things that I've designed, the narrative dice system and resolution system for the star Wars roleplay line is the best, most elegant and most really integrated thing that I've designed, but it's also very subtle and, and, I love being able to sit down with some dice and show people the subtleties and nuances of it. And then, like the light bulb moment when it goes off and they understand how it all ties together. Because um, it's hard to convey that in a rule book. But when somebody's watching a video of someone playing it or seeing it for the first time when a game master is teaching it at the table, is uh, another level of understanding.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, Jay, I'm really curious. Just uh, while we're talking about design and about those mechanics in particular, both the RPG and X Wing are games that are customizable and have literally hundreds of options uh, for for play. How do you balance a game like that after you've done your proof of concept?
1: Very, very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would argue very, very poorly. <laughs> um,
0: you always going to have critics.
1: <laughs> balance and the idea of balance is very challenging, and it's uh, kind of a contested topic in design because you'll have different people argue about not only what balance is, but if balance is important in game design. Now, in something that is supposed to be used or available in a tournament or a structured system like an X-Wing organized play, balance is obviously more important than in other games. Yeah. But one of the things, and this was, I think the, the milestone moment, if you would, for X-Wing was coming up with an equation. And this is very, very literal. Uh, not just a mathematical equation, but a gameplay equation. So taking a look at the core box experience, what are we going to be putting in that core box? So the core game box for the original game, there's one X-Wing and two TIE Fighters. So based on the components that we're going to put in there, you know, in terms of all the tokens that we're going to put in there and the dials and really taking a look at what are we going to be putting in this core box what's the price point, working with marketing, working with production, and then deciding what we're going to put in there. If we're going to put in one X-Wing and two TIE Fighters, then that's the equation that I have to make sure is balanced. That's going to set the groundwork for the rest of the play experience. That somehow I have to have one X-Wing equal two TIE Fighters. So working from that, does that mean that one Skilled X-wing pilot is equal to skilled Tie fighter pilots, yeah. or one rookie X-wing pilot is two skilled Tie fighter pilots, etc. So there's still room to work with on those two axes, and so working around with that, I think what we eventually settled on is that one middle level X-wing pilot is worth about two basic X-Wing low-level pilots. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the 11- or 12-point, uh, I'm sorry, TIE Fighter pilots is about the same as yeah. a mid-level X-Wing <clears throat> in the t- mid-20 range. Um, because it came down to, over the course of play, it needs to be possible for an X-Wing with a good role to be able to one-shot a TIE Fighter. I mean, we see it in the movies, yeah it doesn 't happen all the time, but we do see it in the movies, so that has to be able to happen yeah
2: I really like so, that you design from that narrative standpoint that you know you, this, is, this is the logical flow of things based on what we 've seen, so we need to then make that happen in the game too that's uh, that's a really good yeah, way to go you, about it, it, seems. you
0: want to see that as a as a game don 't you do you, Jay, do you get excited about, you know, if, if you, when you're coming into a game of, or any game design, do you get excited about certain mechanics that you've seen in other games and you want to, you want, you want to play with those as get well as, you know, in, in your own game designs? Or do you start with themes, you know, like we were talking about Blood Bowl or the Star Wars and you get into the theme of it and go, right, you know, we just said there, you know, you want to see one X-Wing take down a TIE fighter with a one shot, you know. What excites you most you know, early on in the process? Is it mechanics or theme?
1: Well, that's a really tough question. If it's a theme that I'm really, really into, such as Blood Bowl or Star Wars, then it's probably the theme first. Yeah. Um, but there are certain mechanics that I just love to noodle with. Uh, anything that has to do with custom dice, I absolutely love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as you can see, almost all of the games that I've designed use custom dice. Um, one of the games that I've got upcoming, Patient Zero, uh, which was recently picked up, is a-, a dice game. It's got this Yahtzee-style dice uh, system. So it uses some custom dice, but just dice, because dice have not only all these manipulations, but this inherent luck and push-your-luck and risk assessment. Um, So there are definitely certain mechanics and uh, player choices that I really, really like to stress. But there are also, I guess instead of mechanics, there are certain designers whose design choices I really, really admire. Um, For example, Eric Lang is an amazing designer.
0: He is a guy that's everywhere. Great games. Yeah.
1: He is probably... Right now, the most prolific game designer I can think of, especially the most like the last five years, and uh, he has also been a phenomenal mentor to me. Like, when I first got into the industry, especially my first few years at Fantasy Flight Games, he had been working on Chaos in the Old World. Um, and since I knew so much about Warhammer Fantasy, didn't you? What was that?
2: You did the expansion to that, didn't you?
1: Oh, absolutely. I got to work on uh, Horned Rat, and the reason I got to work on that is when I started out at Fantasy Flight and I was working on Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, since I knew Warhammer Fantasy and Eric was working on Casting in the Old World, I was his Warhammer Fantasy resource. <laughs> so I, I got to explain all the ruinous powers and give him the context for the setting. So I got to work with him closely on that as kind of uh, just a resource. And I got to see him work. And that was so helpful. And so he answered questions for me and he became a resource for me. And he's always been extremely helpful and extremely available to me to answer questions. And when I started to do freelancing, um, you know, when I had questions about, is this contract a fair deal? Is this company uh, a good company that I want to work with? He's He's been a wonderful person and a great mentor. So big shout out to Eric Lang for just being a, a great person in the industry. Um, so he's done a lot of things with mechanics, and I look at that going, oh, damn it, he's done it again. This this is brilliant, you know? Um, so I, I always marvel at the new games that he comes up with, and – Take a look at it and see if there's something I can learn from uh, from that, and maybe apply or, or twist it to see if I can do an homage. <laughs> do you, awesome.
3: Jay? Do you have a a mechanic that's utilized by another designer that you uh, look at and just go um, that that's the that's the shit? <laughs> I really want to. Uh, come up with something like that. So is there something that somebody else has created that you look at and go, oh, that's just the most outstanding mechanic I've seen. Is there anything like that?
1: Boy, off the top of my head, spur of the moment, it's hard to say, but but a few things that really caught me immediately was how elegant and well-integrated Seven Wonders drafting system was. It's just, oh my goodness, Absolutely. Why not? Three rounds, draft left, draft right, draft left. There are so many different things to draft and focus on. And I can draft for myself or I can hate draft. And instead of worrying about how many people, I only have to interact with the person on my left and right. So it immediately scales to the number of people. And it doesn't take longer with more people because there are always the same number of actions like that blew me away with how scalable drafting was. Um, There's some
2: amazing economy in that design. Yeah, we're actually—it's funny you should mention it. We're looking at Seven Wonders Duel next month as our Game of the Month, so um, we're—it's we're, a good segue. Look, your time at Fantasy Flight has produced so much stuff. It's really exciting, but what? Why did it end? What? What brought that
1: partnership to a close? Um, I suffered a huge heart attack. And I was uh, in a coma for almost a month. Um, basically, I had a, an LAD occlusion, or what they call the Widowmaker. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, knocked back for a while. Um, they were able to finally revive me. And then I was basically recovering for about two months after I came out of the coma. And after that, I was extremely weak and it took a lot longer to recover fantasy flight games was really, really good for me. And they still kept me on for a long time. And I was able to work, um, kind of part time for a while. And then they put me on a retainer system so that I could work when I was able to, but my health was just messed up for a good year and a half after that. And I was completely unreliable and, I knew it and they knew it and they were extremely good to me and fair to me despite that. And they really didn't have to be. Um, and I just knew that I could not continue to work at a level that, uh, gave them what they wanted. Cause I just needed to focus on recovery. And then quite, by the time I, I, really I recovered and I felt okay. healthy enough, um, things had changed enough with them that they had kind of moved on to a new model. They had been uh, working with other companies. And then all of a sudden this opportunity came up for me to start teaching. And I took a look at it and go, you know, I can teach and do freelance work. And that still gives me the opportunity to eventually go back and do some freelance work with fantasy flight games. If, if that works out in the future or I can start looking at doing work with some other companies and pursuing some games that I wasn't able to, or would never be able to do with fantasy flight games. Like I've got some games that are going to be coming out that just would never have been able to work at fantasy flight games because they've got so many things in their production schedule yeah. that there's no way one of my original designs could have ever been done there. So <clears throat> Um, it ended poorly in terms of, I wish I could have ended at a hundred percent and gone out on a high note. Um, but it was because of my health. So we ended on good terms and I'm still really, really good friends with a lot of people there. Uh, I go back and visit as often as I can, but like they have they've still been really, really good to me. And, um, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll still be able to do some work down the road. So it it wasn't any sort of bad feelings or anything like that. It was really just my health.
0: It doesn't sound like any bridges were burnt. It's just, yeah, at all. Oh, no. There's definitely a resource there that you can tap into.
1: Oh, absolutely. And they've been really good, for example, about uh, providing components for my class. So uh, Jaffer Batika, who's who's part of the uh, event crew, they've got like ding and dent games that can't be sold at manufacturing because maybe a shipment got crushed. So they've got these games that have just been ruined during the shipping process. Um, And he's been able to donate some of those, or maybe they've got some overflow parts from games that are no longer in circulation. Uh, So every once in a while they've been able to donate some games like that to a uh, game lab or workshop uh, that I've been able to use for class so that's been helpful, but yeah, they're great guys. And like, I went to the game center for the last X-Wing Worlds tournament. Um, and that was amazing to just not only catch up with the people who are currently designing X-Wing, but to just see, I don't know how many, there were a hundred some tables of X-Wing players from around the world. Yeah. That's I mean, so That cool. was pretty awesome.
2: So look, your website is really, it's quite amazing it's sort of divided into half between game design and advocacy and healthcare. So uh, can you just tell us a little bit, like obviously we, we've all played the games, which is really cool. Tell us a little bit about the other side, about, you know, uh, your work with, with healthcare and, and all the amazing things that you've done. Your, your board game geek profile reads like an action movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't do as much with the healthcare advocacy as I wish I could. Um, but the, People that took care of me were were so amazing, but really it was my wife who stepped up because she works in the healthcare industry. But one of the scariest things about my recovery wasn't just what happened to me physically, but I ended up being worked on by specialists who operated for three different medical facilities who had three different systems that didn't talk with each other. So when they each prescribed medication for me, they prescribe medication that shouldn't interact with each other. And since their systems didn't talk with each other, my wife was the person who caught it. And a lot of other people don't have access to somebody like my wife who knows how the system works. Um, And it was really, really scary that there could be patients in a situation who could have really, really dangerous things like that happen. Um, But that also, The only reason I was able to survive my ordeal is I ended up having my heart attack literally in front of the doctor while I was in the hospital about to be released Mm -hmm. because I had suffered symptoms and went in to be checked out. And I had gotten the all clear and I was actually waiting to get picked up by my wife when I had the heart attack right there in front of the doctor. Fortuitous,
0: yeah. That's a good way to roll roll a critical and still have the right (laughs) characters around to assist you with it, one could say.
1: It's crazy because I actually use gaming analogies a lot through the whole thing. You know, it's like crit after crit after crit after crit after crit. It's going to be one of those stories that I'll I'll tell forever. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. I read through all of my medical records because, you know, I can ask for a release of everything submitted about me and all of the reports written. It's this huge stack, almost eight inches deep, uh, of paper and then CDs of the procedures that were performed, um, of the, like the x-ray procedures, um, when they were removing clots and things like that, it's, it's harrowing to go through and read some of the procedures and some of the notes, um, such as at one time when they thought they had to triage because I was already dead, um. But there's some scary stuff in there, and that's when I decided that uh, people need to understand just how close a call that doctors have to make, and just how little information some families have to work with to make their medical decisions.
0: It can be so, very freeing, though, can't it? You know that sort of that sort of experience because you sort of you know puts everything in the context in some ways, and you can see what's important to you and and what you value, and and you just shoot straight for that kind of thing.
1: The the biggest thing that it's given me is patience. Yeah, I would not be able to do that ninety minute commute without road rage (laughs) beforehand. Because now you know, I I don't need to speed, and I don't need to worry about people cutting me off. Like, dude, if you really need to go that fast, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, really, you're not going to yield at this yield sign. Fine, you're not going to let me merge. All right, whatever, dude. Yeah. You know, it's just... Apparently, you're very, very important and you need to get there one minute sooner, so... <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, so, so, Jay, rewinding things back, uh, can, can you remember when, what started it all off? Can you remember what the first game was that you played? You know, what what... What was it? You know, I, I remember sitting down playing Beetle with my grandma. You know, rolling a dice and just getting different Beetle body parts. You know, do you remember? Any, is there a moment like that that you had that we just thought this gaming thing's all right?
1: So my family was actually a really, really big gaming family growing up, and what my family really did a lot was word games. So we played games like Scrabble, yeah, and Boggle, and one called Perquacky, um, <laughs> and. I had the you dun- up
0: until Baclacky. Whatever. <laughs> I was with you.
1: <laughs> so we played a lot of word games like that. Um, but then I also played Dungeons and & Dragons. And and that really opened up my eyes to holy cow.
0: Yeah. There
1: was, there's a whole area of gaming where you don't have to follow the rules. And that really took it to a whole other level. So between the word games and... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, that basically triggered an interest in reading. And I read everything and devoured everything I could get my hands on reading-wise. Um, and pretty soon it became the era that TSR like really went heavy-duty into Dungeons and Dragons. And then you had the Dragonlance era where Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman yeah. were doing the entire Dragonlance series. Um, And what's really interesting is I grew up in southeast Wisconsin, and that's where TSR, the publishers of Dungeons & Dragons, were. So I didn't realize how fortunate I was, but I lived within an hour of the TSR headquarters. So these people, like the lead artists for Dragonlance and the writers and where the original Gen Con was held, Gen Con was 45 minutes from my house. (laughs) Wow. So I've been to twenty-five Gen Cons or so by now because when I was growing up, it was just something you did because it was so close.
0: Yeah. So at, at, at school, were you the were you the English, were you the word guy, or the arty guy, or the maths guy? You know what? Yeah. You know, or, or, or were you just the guy that wanted to get out of high school and play on the Atari when he got back home? You know what? What was your drive?
1: That's a great question because I don't know how other people saw me. I was I was definitely a nerd yeah. early on. And I've got the pictures with the huge glasses to prove it. <laughs> uh, but I, I had a group of friends who also enjoyed role-playing games, and we played d and and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, that first edition. Um, but in grade school, who knows and who cares, but in high school, I was involved in um, student government and the Science Olympiad and basically um, forensics, which was kind of the speech and debate team. And every group that I could be involved with, Um, I guess, social,
0: social, very social social sort of
1: guy.
2: So it sounds like you've always been sort of knowing, well, not necessarily knowing where you're going, but you find a direction, you drive for it. You know, you've been on the student council. You went and decided you were going to be a game designer. You did it. You did it all. What directions are you going in now?
1: I still love game design and I probably always will. And even if I said I would stop, I would always be doing it in the back of my mind. So yeah. my direction is still game and hobby focused. Uh, it's interesting though, ever since my heart attack, one of the things that's still been on my mind is this whole idea of, of a legacy. And as a parent, your your children are part of your legacy, but I look back, and my games are definitely part of my legacy, and one of the reasons that I continue to design games is, you know, you were just talking about playing Beetle, and you think back about the game that you play. Somebody designed that. Yeah. And you'll never know who that is. But whoever designed that, they did something that impacted someone's life. So to think that Star Wars roleplay is the very first time that a father taught their son or daughter to play a role-playing game or that X-Wing is the very first time uh, a sister and a brother sat down to play a game together. Like that is a big deal to me. Like that feels like I did something important with my life.
0: I I know that guy, you know, there's a guy down in Rockingham who I used to work with who, uh, who is a similar age of mine, you know, born in 1971 He's got his kids in a playing and he's he plays X-Wing tournaments and his son plays X-Wing tournaments. His son's winning X-Wing tournaments now, you know, that that happens. I, I know those guys.
2: And I can also tell you that my son's first blood bowl was your blood
1: bowl. <laughs> and, and, I mean, that that's important to me um, because gaming was so important to me growing up and I know how it shaped my curiosity and really encouraged all these wonderful um, friendships and helped me overcome some of my early social uh, barriers and really helped me become outgoing and give me that confidence to have that, I guess, arrogance that you need as a game designer early on, that people are going to want to try this stuff, that people are going to enjoy it because... You're making this emotional exposure, right? You're putting something out there and asking people to like you. Here's this game. I'm putting myself out there. I hope you like it. And if you don't, it's potentially very, very uh, heartbreaking. And so you're exposing yourself emotionally when you design a game, especially those first few games and putting it out there for people to evaluate. Um, and it's a big risk, especially the first couple of times, because you don't know what people are going to think. You don't know, well, I like this game and my friends like this game, but they're my friends. So what are people who are not my immediate social circle going to think? Yeah, true. Yeah,
2: that was a good question.
0: It's an immediate, so, immediate common ground, isn't it, that you've just invented for people to to interact with? And I always see it as a as a. I'm I'm an occupational therapist. You might have come across those in your health travels, um, uh, and uh, so I'm always thinking about that social interaction and, and looking at how organized play centers, uh, and shops and stores like uh, our sponsors, Good Games, uh, have. You know, it's like you get you get people that might have missed a few. Rungs on social interaction, and these games that we have allow them to come back in and learn. Hey, this is how I'm going to interact with people, and you're developing friends. But there's a whole bunch of different levels that goes on there, and it's it's a really valuable thing that we have in our lives that might go you know undervalued by the wider community sometimes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I guess w- when you were talking about other direction. W- and I had mentioned Legacy. One of the other things that I'm most proud of um, isn't necessarily a, a game, but 13 years ago, I founded a convention in St. Louis, Missouri, which is pretty much right in the center of the United States, uh, called Geekway to the West.
2: Oh, my God. And you it, founded Geekway to the West?
1: <laughs> hey, I'll guess wait.
0: Geekway to the Hurstville. He just spoke up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait, wow. you've actually heard of Geekway to the West?
2: Uh, of course I've heard of Geekway to the West. I, I'm a huge fan of um, Nights at the Dinner Table, and it gets mentioned in their every freaking ev- issue.
1: It's great. It can't possibly be mentioned in Nights at the Dinner. Geekway to the West?
2: It gets it gets a mention. It's on one of their little notice boards in the back of, of every issue, yeah.
1: Uh, you've got to be kidding me. You have to send me a, a link if they've got anything online, or I've got to track down an issue. I did not know that.
2: They've got a list wow. of just all the conventions that are coming up, and it's it's just always there. It's one of the names that you know stands out, and I've heard about it on Board Game Geek as well. So, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 cred, man.
1: <laughs> well, then then it's done its job, and what's interesting is um, I credited all the Board Game Geek, and so talking about the ability to leave a footprint and make an impact on the industry, um, I mean Scott Alden and the People who really formed the initial community on Board Game Geek. What a way to encourage and move forward and instill this wonderful sense of community. It really shows that if you love hobby gaming, if you're passionate about it, that everybody has the opportunity to improve it.
3: Yeah, well, our and... podcasts go up on Board Game Geek every whenever we do a new one, it pops up there in the feed. So, you know, we're, we're, we're actively part of that community through our podcast and and people have the opportunity to connect with us and join our community and make therefore making the community even wider and broader than it already is.
1: That's why I love being on podcasts. I mean, you, you are uh, providing not only entertainment, but information, and you're encouraging that curiosity. You're introducing people to new games and new concepts. You're creating this uh, greater sense of awareness and, I I guess, common ground. Well, did, did you hear their latest podcast? Yeah. Well, did you hear that segment on XYZ? Well, obviously. Well, did you hear that awesome segment on Jay, that amazing designer? Yes. Let's talk about all of his <laughs> games and the wonderful things that he's done. Absolutely. Let's go order all of the games that he's designed. What a wonderful idea! Um, <laughs> and you're right about BoardGameGeek too. It is it is the tool
2: which has allowed us to connect across you know opposite sides of the world based on our hobby, and have this absolutely. chat and podcast happen. And, you know, it's it's really is a great resource.
0: So just to fanboy it up a little bit, Jay, what have we got to look forward to from you in uh, the near future? What should we be looking out for?
1: So uh, I'm really excited about this Patient Zero game. It's a cooperative uh, dice, pusher luck, and uh, kind of risk assessment game that's going to be coming out. It's kind of my... Zombie, not quite a zombie game. Imagine The Walking Dead where you didn't want to kill any of the zombies because you know that you can cure them and the cure is right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to use any of your bullets because, oh my goodness, as soon as you shoot them, you think that you're going to find the cure. Um, so you're actually traveling city to city trying to find clues as to who this patient zero who started the plague is. So there's this whole idea of uh, eventually revealing a villain, tracking him down, and defeating him to cure the plague. Um, and so it's, it's co-op. It's difficult to win and challenging. Um, I'm really excited about that. It takes about an hour to an hour and a half to play for four or five players. Uh, I've also got this game Three Years of War which is a bleak game of hand and resource management, which is basically a card game that recreates three years from the hundred years war. And the whole idea is um, you're trying to make the best out of only bad decisions. So (laughs) like every year, season after season, you're basically drafting these resources from only terrible choices so you're trying to go okay i can get this one really good resource but if i take this good resource then i have to also suffer these terrible penalties so what are the least terrible penalties that i can suffer but wait if i suffer these penalties then he's going to have to suffer these even worse penalties <laughs> um
2: that's very cool have you played the grizzled jay
1: i haven't played it but i've played valiant hearts uh the video game that the grizzled is Kind of associated with,
2: yeah. It's um, but, it feels as depressing as the First World War.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it's it's kind of got that inspiration. I've I've seen the game. Um, I got to see it at DragonCon last year. Uh, I, I definitely got the sense that it has a similar vibe. Um, and then one of the games that I'm really most excited about it's a game called the Turing Test, uh, based on the test that Alan Turing created yeah. in the fifties. To uh, find out if an AI can pass for human. Yeah. It's this uh, social game for eight to 12 people. Uh, basically, imagine a dinner party where some of the guests may or may not be artificial intelligence. And over the course of the evening, the goal is to try to determine who at the party is. Um, from one person up to half of the guests may be artificial intelligence. Players have these different uh, behavior traits that are either human or artificial intelligence, and based on the traits that they have and the, uh, I guess, the protocols and the behaviors that you observe, you've got to make determinations. So you have conversations with them and follow certain questions and then chat with other people and cast your suspicions around. Um, It's quite a fun game, and not only uh, is it a nice social and kind of uh, role game that you get to tell stories with, but it's also a game that my students helped develop over the course of my board game production class. All right. so, That's it's, so it's cool. been a lot Having of
2: fun. A team, like a team to work with like that, you know, we are working together and, and coming up with a game at the end. It must be a really rewarding process.
1: It was, It was amazing. And those students are so creative and so excited about it.
3: I was going to say you're helping to shape and mold the next generation of designers and uh and creators which is a, a really i can imagine a really fulfilling um endeavor to be involved with
1: i i really enjoy doing it and i hope that i've been a positive influence on them um I'm a big believer in the rule of three, and I keep on telling my students, I don't expect you to remember everything I teach you, but hopefully by the end of it, there are three things that you found to be important and relevant that you'll be able to apply uh, going forward. So I, I hope that I've been at least able to pass along three things that they'll be able to to take with them that'll help them uh, if they decide to pursue a career in game design or not.
3: That's awesome we're all um yeah I think our collective hats are off to you jay you've You've made a great impression on the industry as a whole and and as an advance as a an advocate and a um well a spokesperson i guess for for gaming in general that uh, it's people like you that have um inspired us to continue to do what we do and to play games and to explore and experiment with different types of games, break out of our, our, our conceptions of what a game, a board
0: game is or was. Yeah, some great concepts, just in the ones you've just outlined there, you know, just, yeah. the, you know, they're really nice. And we're benefiting from your hard work every day, Jay, you know, playing these games is really good, you know, it's really great, you know. Just thank you very much.
1: Well, I appreciate that, uh, but there are so many awesome people in the industry. And and one thing I would like to note, too, is I, I feel very proud that my name goes on the front of the box, and I definitely feel like the work that I've done has, has earned it, but so many people work so hard to create a game, and people outside the industry don't realize just how much hard work goes into it. And uh, I, I just like... To acknowledge um, between producers and the art directors and all the artists that make these things come to life and uh, the people who coordinate with licenses and the people who work with uh, the manufacturers and the people who work with distributors to make sure that these games can get into the hands of the players. Um, you know, the next time you play a game, just open up the rule book and look at the back credits page and just take a look at some of those people and some of those names. And those are names that are going to come up frequently too. It's not just the designers that you see coming up over and over again, but you'll see the same producers and you'll see the same artists coming up over and over again because, because they're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you see the same directors and movies coming up over and over again because they've got a track record. Yeah.
3: Hopefully, we'll get the opportunity to speak to you know lots of people like those you've just highlighted, and uh, on our little podcast, and yeah, do our part for uh, yeah shining recognition. A light on, yeah, a light on. shining. Yeah, exactly right.
2: It's been such a pleasure, Jay. Thank you so insanely much for coming on. You've literally made my day because, like I said, looking through your your list of. Game credits is just like looking at a list of some of my favorite games. You've, you've just
1: made me so happy. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm glad I was able to do it, and I'd be happy to do it again anytime.
0: All right, well, if you have anything to plug, let us know. We'll, we'll love to get in touch with you and talk to you about uh, Patient Zero or the Turing Test, Three Years of War, any of that, you know? So it'll be great fun. Absolutely. Are you ready for the Blood Bowl Team Manager Quiz?
3: Yeah. Oh, what, us? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, you. Wake up, snoozy head. What voice is that? Uh, uh, I'm thinking um, the drill sergeant of Full Metal Jacket and uh, every coach from every sporting thing movie ever. Okay. Um, What
2: coach in any sporting movie ever called someone snoozy head? (laughs)
0: <laughs> and a snoozy head. I oh, know it took me straight to Sesame Street. That's where I was. i was thinking it's not Cookie Monster. It's not Grover. Come on, never I it. Right. you. <laughs>
3: you know the drill. There are five questions. The first ones, the first four questions, are worth one point each, and the last question is worth three for a total of seven.
0: The seven land hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, this
3: quiz is uh, it's loosely based on everything related and unrelated to Blood Bowl, Gridiron, and sports movies in general. Ooh, that sort of sits, sets the uh, tone. All right, question one Which of the following is not a recognised Blood Bowl tournament? So, which of the following is not a recognised Blood Bowl tournament? The Blood Bowl, the Dungeon Bowl, the Weird Stone Cup, the Spike Magazine Trophy, or the Chaos Cup? Which one of those is not a recognised Blood Bowl tournament? Okay.
0: All right. So, spot which one's different. I really wish I'd been paying attention.
3: <laughs> Do you want them again?
0: It no, no, helps. no. no. I it helps mean,
2: when you pay attention.
0: I meant to the last month of game playing as <laughs> we were doing <laughs> <laughs> Blood Oh, Bowl. I just meant to Matt. Yeah. I'm sure Jamie's got it. Yeah, James is, Jamie's got it. He's been playing us for years. <laughs> i
2: Question... to win this quiz 1-0. <laughs> yeah.
0: Question
3: two. True or false, Brick Farth, the well-known ogre thrower, was named after the lesser-known former Green Bay Packers quarterback, Brett Favre. True or false, Brick Farth, the well-known ogre thrower, was named after the lesser-known former Green Bay Packers
0: quarterback, Brett Favre. If I know anything, and I might not, it's English Premier League. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Brett Favre did play in that. Jamie, two
3: two up to you, I think.
0: Oh, don't be like that.
3: <laughs> Question three. The following are fictional companies that advertise throughout Blood Bowl. Which real-life companies are their inspiration? So I'm going to give you some fictitional companies. Fictional yeah.
0: companies? Fictional. yeah.
3: Fictional. You tell me what their... Uh, who they really are in real life. All right. Okay. McMurdy's. Yeah. Bloodweiser. <laughs> yeah. Orchidas. Oh, shit. How do you spell that? Uh, I don't think I'll spell it. Oh. Orchidas.
2: speaking on a podcast, you don't need to spell it. Yeah. Orchidas. <laughs> Orchid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And Croxarade.
0: Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. So,
3: what are their real-life counterparts?
0: That's Mc- a good one. McQuarters,
3: Bloodweiser, Orchidas, and Croxerade. All right. Yeah, that's a full part of that question. Yeah, I know the points don't matter. <laughs> it question does four. It has to head up
0: to seven for seven land hand. <laughs> oh, uh, the you, well then each cry. one of those
3: must be worth 0.25. Uh, two five. Yeah. All right. Question four. The prison football film Mean Machine starred Vinnie Jones and Jason Statham. It was an adaptation of which 1974 movie starring Burt Reynolds? Down! All right, so which 1974 movie starring Burt Reynolds was the inspiration for Mean Machine?
0: 1974.
2: Yep. Is Burt Reynolds Tom Selleck's dad?
0: Yes, correct. (laughs) I think they're twin brothers, aren't they? It's actually his mother. (laughs) <laughs> i don't want to explain any further than that question five
3: question five okay this is the one this has got five parts it usually has three but i got carried away all right <laughs> these are this is called quote me on that so i've got five quotes here and you can tell me what movie they're from all right all right and they're um they're all sporting movies okay so if you know your sporting movies well look we're nothing if not jocks That's not true. nerds well some so. of them are Jockey sporty movies. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory
0: lasts forever. Oh, no. This uh, is going to be movie. hard, isn't it, Jamie?
2: What um, movie? I'm, I'm guessing everything. <laughs>
0: Chicks dig scars. It does
3: ring a bell. Pain heals. Uh, what, would it help if I did like a voiceover? Yeah, yeah. Do an okay. impression. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. That's the cookie monster again yeah, yeah, from yeah, earlier on in like the intro, isn't it? <laughs> and B. <laughs> feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up, it's bobsled time. Oh, I
2: know that one, yes!
3: <laughs> yes. Did you get that, Jamie?
2: I, I got that, yes. That's, <laughs> that's my point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> C. If you can
0: dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Oh, no, I no. <laughs> don't know. Oh, I'm, still, I'm still stuck on I know that pain heals one. Oh, well, you might have to say stuck. Yeah. D.
3: I don't hate Balboa. I pity the fool.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I, know I don't hate Balboa. I pity the fool. And do we have to have the Roman numeral correct? Correct. Yes, you uh, do. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. And last
3: one. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. Be the ball. Yes. sons. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite happy with this one, actually. All right.
0: Is be the ball. Be Are
3: the we ball. ready for answers? Oh, that sounds so familiar. Be the ball. I think Jamie's ready. I, can, I can't hear him doing anything over there, so he must be sitting patiently.
2: I'm just writing Jerry Maguire over and over
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, five points. <laughs> Doing the bull dance,
3: working it. <laughs> okay, question it one. Yeah. Which of the following is not a recognised Blood Bowl tournament? David. Weirdstone Cup. Jamie. He says with confidence.
2: Weirdstone Cup.
3: It is the Weirdstone Cup. The rest, the the rest are recognised tournaments held around the world for Blood Bowl players. Woo-hoo! All right, question two. True or false, Brick Farth, the well-known ogre thrower, was named after the lesser-known former Green Bay Packers quarterback, Brett Favre? The answer is, Jamie? True. David? I know Brett Favre, so true? It's true, yes. Yes, he was the inspiration for that uh, ogre thrower. Uh, Let's see. Question three. The f- which the following are fictional uh, fictional companies that advertise throughout Blood Bowl? <laughs> yeah, I keep getting that wrong, don't I? Which <laughs> real life companies are their inspiration? McMurdy's is David McDonald's.
0: Mm-hmm. McDonald's Mac is yep.
3: Bloodweiser is Budweiser. I hope you got Bloodweiser. Uh, Budweiser. Yeah, I've
2: got, I've got Budweiser, yeah.
3: Orchidas is
2: Adidas.
0: Yep. Adidas. Adidas. <laughs>
2: Adidas. Uh, <laughs> And
0: I love this fourth one. Crocs a Raid. It's got to be Gatorade, right? That's so good. I figured it was Gatorade. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: Gatorade. All right, doing well so far. Question four The prison football film Meme Machine starred Vinny Jones and Jason Statham. It was an adaptation of which 1974 movie, starting Burt Reynolds, Jamie?
2: Longest Yard.
3: Oh, David? Yeah, the longest yard. I yes. thought the one who had you there. It was the longest yard. I
2: don't know, it because Adam Sandler remade it. Yeah, it was remade again. Lady is
3: starring Adam Sandler, Burt Reynolds again, and a bunch of wrestlers and MMA fighters that no one cares about.
0: Oh man! All right, question. That, that was where I was going to win it, Jamie. Now I'm screwed. Uh, you think you're screwed? <laughs> All
2: my answers
0: are
3: Jerry Maguire. <laughs> so what? So your answer is going to be Jerry Maguire? All right. Rain heels, chick scars, glory lasts forever. Who do you think it is, Jamie? Jerry Maguire.
0: I don't have anything for this no, one. You're I don't wrong.
3: know. Well, you're both wrong then. Yeah. It's the replacements with Keanu Reeves. All right. No, I don't know that one at all. All right.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I would have gotten it if you'd said, I know Kung Fu.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only that wouldn't have been the quote. <laughs> uh, B, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up, it's bobsled time. David. Cool Runnings. Jamie. Yeah, that'd be Cool Runnings. Yeah, Cool man. Runnings. It's impersonation, Matt. Sankar Coffee. Yeah. Is the guy. Sank a coffee. Apparently. <laughs> C. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Who is it, Jamie?
2: It'll be dodgeball. Yeah, it is. I,
0: I put dodgeball,
2: dodgeball down as yeah. well.
3: It... Patches of hulan. <laughs> okay. And D. I don't hear about boa, I of the fool. Who is it, David? I went Rocky 2. I Dan? said
2: Rocky 3. Oh, is it 3? It's Rocky
0: 3.
3: Oh, Clubber yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What did he
0: do? I thought Mr. T was in the second one.
2: He ran to the top of the stairs. That's what he does in all of them. (laughs) Oh, okay,
0: yeah. And last one,
3: E, stop thinking, let things happen, and be the ball. Be the ball. Are you being the ball, David? Uh, Happy Gilmore? (laughs) I don't know. Are you being the ball, Jamie?
2: I said Jerry Maguire.
3: (laughs) The answer was Caddyshack. All oh, right, Of okay. course yes, it was. Chevy Chase as the uh, golf pro was I giving advice. I think you picked me, Jamie.
0: I think I'll make it you got one more than me somewhere. Maybe with Rocky Three. Yeah. Uh,
2: a, the, we should share that one. I mean, you know, they're, all the Rocky films just blend. That
0: was yeah. pretty good. There was only really one Rocky movie, and it went from about 1978 through to... <laughs> 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 it's still going. <laughs> it's still going,
3: yeah. <laughs> and that was Matt's quiz. Good quiz, Matt. Cheers.
2: Neats and Twos! Neats and, twos.
0: Neats and Twos! Yeah, welcome back after Matt's quiz for Neats and Twos. And it's been a pretty lively month on Facebook this month. We've uh, it's gone from me posting a photo of Archaic, the original Blood Bowl, a polystyrene board game. Uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, Quite a bit of a response to that. I think I, I, we tweak someone's nostalgic bone there, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I don't think they're putting um,
3: polystyrene in board games anymore. So maybe that's a tip. We need more polystyrene in games.
0: <laughs> People love that. Yeah, I'll,
2: I'll pass that feedback on when we're doing some publishing.
0: Yeah, yeah do that, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> just, uh, you got a good game here. Do you see polystyrene moving into it a little bit more? <laughs> game design challenge. But, but I've got to say. I've got to say, this month's response to the um, Seven Land Hand uh, Good Games giveaway for Splendor has been splendid. I mean, how? <laughs> the comments were just fantastic, weren't they? From um, everything from uh, pictures of Jules, Jules, to pictures of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio glaring at somebody and declaring that cost, that card costs how many diamonds? <laughs> to, uh, oh, here we got... Song e- lyrics. Ewan McLeod dropping a, a Splendor into his coffee. Probably a picture from, um, you know, an advert or something. I'd say, but yeah, excellent effort, guys. This is this is the kind of fun we're, we're hoping to generate. You know, it just makes it makes it more fun to have these competitions and yes, everything. Please do. And uh, you know what? I think what we should do is instead of just like picking some of the people that we've uh, mentioned here, if any of you uh, want to get in touch by uh, via podcast at sevenlandhand.com. And just send us your address. Uh, we'll mail you out a Hypermagic Nerd Badge. For, That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy talk, right? Because there's hundreds of people. <laughs> but we, <laughs> we, yeah, just just do it, and uh, yeah, we'll happily send send you that out. Because everyone's a winner this month. However, at diamond in the rough, one person is more of a winner than everyone else. And this month's winner of splendor. Picked by uh, Good Games HQ over in uh, where are they now Sydney? Which bunker have they got? It's in Sydney. Is that uh, right, Jamie? The biggest one now. The biggest one. So this month's bunker. winner. This month's winner. Simon. Becky Broughton. Hey. Yay! Uh, we'll be in touch, Becky. Will uh, she, she commented? I've played Splendor a few times now. So good, or oh, so good. She only left one zero in the so simple comment but that's all it took i thought you know i read i read it initially like i played planet splendor a few times now so good so good i've done it yeah well i don't need to play again was she but, making a statement do you think i think so but obviously uh, good games hq thought she needs to play it plenty more times <laughs> so becky we'll be in touch we'll give you all the details of how to pick up your game and uh uh yeah congratulations well done nice work all right. So um, this month, Blood Bowl is going to be the Blood Bowl team manager is going to be the game of the month. Uh, so Good Games are giving our listeners ten percent off that game if you walk into your nearest Good Games store anywhere in Australia and give the staff the password War Dancer.
2: War Dancer.
0: That's right. Everybody knows it now. This lasts for a month. So go now while the shelves are still sweaty with BBTM goodness. And if ten percent isn't enough, what about the chance to win the game, just like Becky Broughton did? Everybody wants to be like Becky Broughton. Hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> She's BB. When oh, she has like a boyfriend who's TM. Holy cow! Imagine if her last. <laughs> imagine if her boyfriend was like Travis Maguire. It'd be like BBTM for real. That's, anyway, that's just. That blows my mind. Yeah, I know. That's what we do here. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, if you want to win uh, Blood Bowl Team Manager, just like Becky just won uh, Splendor, uh, just go to our Facebook page. Uh, it's posted to the top of the, our, our Facebook page, uh, Seven Land Hand, uh, Episode 63. You can win the game. Just comment on it like anyone has done this month. Uh, yeah, use imagination. Make it colourful. Make it fun. Uh, it'll re- be there all month. Yeah, it'll be there all month. And we've really enjoyed everyone's input this month. And if you didn't win this month, you then definitely get in uh, for Blood Bowl. Post uh. pictures
2: of your old Blood Bowl sets. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: there's an idea. Yeah, do it, man. That'd be cool. Your excellent paint jobs, unlike mine. Which... Well,
3: do you think what a, what, a, what constitutes a comment? A photo, anything?
0: Yeah, anything. Anything. You know, anything for laughs. Some people have just gone, like with Becky, she just said, like, I've played this before, it was really good. So you're saying just your name
3: with something underneath it constitutes a comment? It does. That's
0: so, so simple. It is so simple. And we're not... You know what? A full stop.
2: You put a full stop on there, cats.
0: I don't even think we did a full stop, Jamie. Punctuation's not required. Just Anything. (laughs) Just anything. We we put the post out there. You just put your anything underneath. You put you press comment and just go, yeah. And and it's there, you know? Good games HQ respond to that sort of thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, Good Games HQ will respond and uh give someone a copy of Blood Bowl Team Manager at the end of where we're we up to now, March twenty sixteen. Boom. Flying by. So, uh, yeah, Becky Broughton, we'll be in touch. Uh, if you want to, please comment on any of our Facebook posts and uh, get, the, get the chat happening. We're like looking to build a community. Yeah, if we read out your comment, I'd you a could score a badge. Yeah, and you can click on Get In Touch With Us on the Facebook page or go to our, well sevenlandhand.com. You'll find the emails addresses, which is podcast at sevenlandhand.com. com. And, um, yeah, what have we got? That's about it, isn't it? In a fortnight's time... I think I'm getting Aaron and the boys together to talk about Shadow over Innistrad. That's I've got to coming con- up soon. got to concentrate saying Innistrad because my HP Lovecraft mind wants to say Innsmouth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shadow Especially over. the second set being Eldritch Moon.
0: Yeah. So fish fish people everywhere. The Eldritch look is coming to Innistrad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess all we've got left, anything else you want to say, well, boys? Do we know what's coming up, uh, what our next game's going to be? Oh, we do, don't we? Jamie, do you want to... Let us know what the next month's game going to be.
2: Uh, did, did, uh, do we have a final plan for that?
0: Yeah, we do, man. I'm,
2: I'm out of the loop. What was it?
0: It was Bruno Cathala's Seven Wonders Jewel.
2: That one, right? Yes, that excellent one. game. Yeah, yeah. Not to bury the lead or anything. What's that? Not to bury the lead, but it's a great game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you 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 missed the memo or the or the <laughs> the the team meeting. <laughs> you were absent.
2: I, I am on the other side of the country. It's uh, a little hard
0: sometimes. Yeah, we accept your apologies. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're given full- wholeheartedly.
0: All right, <laughs> let's blob and uh, outro, eh?
3: Okay, well, it's come to that time of the time of the podcast again, where I'd like to thank Jay Little for joining us and and uh, lightning us. Yeah, you're a I'm- champ. We appreciate it, even though uh, you're on the other side of the world, makes time to speak to us. And yeah, our little community over here will uh, also appreciate hearing your, uh, about what you're up to and that sort of thing. So yeah, keep it up.
2: It's always the least fun part of the podcast when we have to stop. <laughs> oh, well, we
3: could get you to stop right now, Jamie, If I maybe if I thanked you right now for uh, joining us from across the other side of the plane. the uh, Anytime, man. The great Nullarbor
0: plane. Hurstville <laughs> and, uh, we know now Hurstville? New South Wales Hurstville <laughs> you
2: can't catch a flight on another plane <laughs> <laughs> no, that's
3: it. oh boom, boom. more of that next month Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and David thank you uh, you've ramped up your uh, your computer your Macbook now so uh, I know it's uh, faster than ever uh, it's a now a $10 million machine is that right hasn't
0: crashed all night oh, this is it, uh, it's catching us. solid state <laughs> drive to people at home that's, that's what I hear the other one's in the... Well, yeah. And, well, that that's it for me, so, yeah. Blood Bowl it up. Go and get Blood Bowl. If you haven't got it, or you haven't won it like Becky Broughton, go get it. It's bloody brilliant. Tune in. Be like us. Bloody brilliant.
3: Comment. War dancer. Just play games.
2: Play games. Have fun. Enjoy life. Good night. Good night. bye.